Um, and I, I did some, actually I put another tweet out a week or so ago, which is uh, my, my guess is if you look back in 10 years' time, that metaverse type technologies will be more important than 5G or cryptocurrency and less important than AI or gene editing. Why do you think that? That's a, that's a big old claim, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm sticking saying, your neck out I'm here. pretty much sticking <laughs> my neck out there. Hello and welcome to another telecoms.com podcast. We've got a guest again. We're on a bit of a run with guests. And we've got Dean Bubbly, who we've... Uh, I've even called out. I said, come on, Dean. Yeah. Come on in. And because uh, you, you often... You're kind enough to comment on us on, on Twitter every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So let's get him in. Thanks for this. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm a regular listener. I, I'm a big, big podcast fan. Although I do listen to everything at 2x speed, so everything is yeah, going to so be... Yeah, so we're a bit helium-y, are we? Deathly <laughs> slow today. Yeah, right. like, I'm used to listening to you at twice this. And, and, that, and 2x speed's fine, you still get, get the gist of what's oh. going on. Oh, I'll I might have to try it now. You, you normally yeah. sound like Donald the Duck. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> you you mad! Whoa! Yeah. That's impressive. That's good. <laughs> I know. A man of hidden talents. I know. I, I try not to let kids know I can do that because then they just pester me to do my old <laughs> voice the whole time. Because um, I listen yeah. to like like Joe Rogan and stuff, which is a three hour podcast, and I've got to be said, getting that down to an hour and a half is, has some appeal. Yeah, and no, I'm probably the only person on the planet who's listened, well, I go through The Economist cover to cover every week because I basically listen to the, 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 the electronic version at 2x. So I, I go out for a long week at, a walk at the weekend and actually just consume that. How long I that? Yeah, it's good that you can do that now, actually, The Economist. Um, you can listen each, to the articles. Well, and, right. Yeah, do you yeah, have yeah. to click on each one? or is No, there no, no. Or no, no it just goes on. It goes all the way through. Yeah. So I, I wow. guess it probably could take I might have to try that. three and a half, four hours to go through the whole thing, but I just go out for a long walk at the weekend. At 2x already? At two X, yeah, there's a lot of it because well, that's read really slowly. Actually, the Economist stuff yeah. as well. So even even two X would actually sound quite normal with yeah, that thing. Yeah, but yeah, they're really sort of plodding the way no, they read I, it. I subscribe to the Economist, but I often don't get around to reading it at all. Well, whereas if, I, if I'm trying to watch video at two X, I find that's much harder. Thing. That's much harder. That's like that's yeah. like watching football from the thirties or something, <laughs> <laughs> which has its merits. <laughs> You, you should have that. You should, if they, if you do two X on the audio, they should have some kind of Chumley Warner commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and Plucky Erickson did jolly well this week, or something like that. Um, so yeah, so great to have you here, mate. Um, and you brought some beers. You brought some Elvis juice, which is one of the things you brought, which is a Brewdog oh. one that says grapefruit infused IPA. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I don't know if I tried it before. The, the grapefruit's very subtle, though. It's not like um... right. You know, it's not like actually eating your breakfast. Well, that's about or... the thing about infusion. It can mean all sorts of things, can't it? It can be pouring a shitload in, or just, <laughs> or just a little suggestion. Yeah. Anyway, so it's obviously more towards the latter scale. A flutter on that of one. grapefruit, and, uh, and we might be getting on to them in a bit. Dean also brought in some um, Adnam's Ghost Ship because it's we're nearly at Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. so it seems to be Halloween appropriate. You, you thankfully didn't come dressed as a skeleton no, no, or a pumpkin or something. And thankfully, yeah, there's no decoration around the no. studio here. I was, I was a bit dreading this to be like no, we're not pumpkins, ghosts, <laughs> and skeletons hanging off the wall. We're not, we're not, we're not that chirpy. <laughs> we're just as dour and cynical as you are, which is why you're a perfect fit for the pod. Um, so great to have you here, Dean. What have we been up to? Actually, one thing I want to say: we, we are going to talk about Facebook in a bit, but I quite like to sometimes um, uh, mention sort of hassle I'm getting on the comments from people. 
because I, I quite enjoy it. I'm like, bring it on. Do you get that much, Dean? Because you're very active on Twitter, which we're going to come to. Do you get sometimes people pushing back on your tweets? Not not that much. No, it can be uh, a, bit a little bit on LinkedIn sometimes, but even then, it's, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll take aim at bits of the telecoms establishment. Um, but actually, quite often, I find that people, particularly when they leave their jobs, they'll, they'll get in touch and say, I couldn't say this when I worked for whoever. <laughs> yeah. But actually, yes, you right. agree. Yeah. No, I get, I get, I get um, fairly sort of direct confrontation. In fact, before I get forget one other shout-out I wanted to do, um, in the area of craft beer, actually, is uh, Jerry, who works in PR at Ericsson, and I know is a regular listener. She said she'd be cracking a beer when she watches this one, when I was chatting to her. I know she's a big fan of what they're called. Oh, my God, she told Signal. Anyway, there's some there's some craft brewers she's a big fan of. So, cheers, Jerry. Here's to you. Um, on my... I wrote a story. It really wasn't telecoms at all. This is classic Scott self-indulgence. Um, but you know there's been this whistleblower, this Facebook whistleblower. Francis, Francis Morgan or whatever. Morgan, yeah. Haugen, something like that. Oh, Haugen, sorry. Um, yeah. And it's been quite obvious to me from the start that she's no regular whistleblower. She's no Edward Snowden. She's no Julian Assange. She's been carried around aloft by the establishment, been given a red carpet to every gov- government institution. She got she got blue-checked on Twitter the second she went on it. It all smells, it all smells dodgy as far as her supposed dissident, sort of guerrilla whistleblower status is supposed to be. And I wrote a piece um, headlined, Facebook, in parentheses, whistleblower is a government Trojan horse. Um, the, the theory being that she's basically there. She's gone and spoken to Congress in the States. She's gone and spoken to the House of Commons over here. And every time it's to say Facebook needs, basically, this, this is to paraphrase, Facebook needs more government intervention. Facebook needs to be more closely regulated, monitored, told what to do. So that's why I call her a Trojan horse. Yeah. Because I think she's just a handy tool. I mean, that in the nicest possible way um, for, for the state to, to just use as evidence that it's got to poke its nose more into this big private company that is Facebook. Um, yeah. so I, I, I was going to say, and presumably the issue there is that if any state is going to poke its nose, it's presumably going to have to be the US government. I mean, it's not going to work for each individual government to poke its nose well, in different ways. Well, try telling the EU that. that yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, <clears throat> anyway. I saw you got some abuse on this. Yeah, yeah. So not, it's not quite just fun. on telecoms.com, but you got some on LinkedIn as well. You might not even be aware of it. No, I'm not. Is this, has it been yeah, up on LinkedIn? People giving me shit. Andy Jones, who you might know as oh, a yeah. consultant, he, he, he took issue with it. Excellent. He was grumbling about it on LinkedIn. And I was, I was thinking... Does Scott even know? Because I know you yeah. check the comments, but um, but not on LinkedIn. I hardly ever go on LinkedIn. But it, but the people who take issue with it are always people who it's never sort of based on how you've written it or anything. It's it's just they they've got the opposite views. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're, quite quite they're, that, they're that. sort of um, that's exactly. But he was quite. It. I don't know, he was quite sort of rude he's the way, quite, he, I'm not going to read right. it out online, he's quite rude I thought the way he oh, said I will. it. I'm going to look <laughs> it up now. Which, which, actually, which is fair enough, I mean it's not like any of us are over polite in what we say no. so. At least he's not I'll, hiding I, behind. I can find it for you avatar. more easily if you want. Yeah, well, please do. Well it's going to take me yeah, a while it's, to see. It's like, it's like, so. if someone wants to come at me on, on online, whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn or you know, I don't use Facebook for, for work then. Well LinkedIn at least they're not hiding. They have their real name. True. Yeah I haven't even got it as any alerts I haven't got alerts saying someone's someone's dissing you on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, but I'll find that. In the meanwhile, while you're looking for that, Ian, I'll read out some of the lip I've been getting on this one. So um, I'm going to read out all of it. But some guy goes, very unbalanced article, blah, 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 butt hurt, butt hurt, butt hurt. Um, and 
and just just make stuff up like he goes also the downplaying of an armed mob attack on the seat of government while I was in session is shocking and astounding I didn't downplay it what I made is some reference to the current government using it as a as a pretext for cracking down on its own population so he, so my response to that was there are so many straw men and red herrings in this that I can only assume you mistakenly commented on the wrong story yeah because you can't when people use fallacies to have a go at you I think the worst thing you can do is ever give their fallacy the benefit of the doubt mm. i.e. if someone attacks you with a straw man which means creating mm. a parallel argument that's different to one you have, if you then try and defend that straw man then you're playing on their turf you just got to tell them to fuck off yeah um, calling out logical fallacies yeah, yeah of all yeah, sorts yeah. Well, yeah, he, he loves doing that and, the, and that annoys people as well because there better. is something quite sort of supercilious about it, which I enjoy. So but your story is Facebook you, whistleblower is a government Trojan horse. Yeah. Is headline. But my yeah. view is if you're going to be supercilious, you're doing it for free. You should be charging them for that. Well, quite. I know. Not everyone gets, yeah, gets yeah. that. Uh, the, the, the phrase, phrase, in fact, I got this from my dad, which was, everyone is entitled to my opinion. Mm-hmm. Which I think is wise words to live by, really. So someone called Duncan Curry, who's at Red Hat... All right. Put your story up on LinkedIn and said, an interesting viewpoint. Would you consider your data and the decisions that affect your freedom of speech to be controlled by the fact checkers and FBI okay. and or our supreme leaders with political corruption oozing through their veins? As at the end of the day, it all comes down to dollars and, and who gains most to become wealthier. And then Andy Jones responded. I'm not going to read out the comment because you can read it out if you want. But Yeah, sure. There's, there's Andy Jones's response. Andy Jones. So, this is just reading it verbatim. By, in parentheses, by, in quotes, interesting, I assume you mean in a distinctly British sense of the word, i.e. synonymous with, quote, complete tripe. Oh, touche, Andy. Um, when mediocre trade press... Oh, well, that's, that's, mediocre. That, that's what This is why I thought it was quite rude. Oh, um, Andy, you cut me deep, dude. Um, when mediocre trade press try to spice up their reportage with political clickbait, clickbait, moi... Um, (laughs) brackets evidenced by the author's replies to the comments on which which I'm coming to so thanks for flagging that one Andy the one non-moronic thing you've said so far Um, (laughs) it is both sad and laughable in equal measure right, well done Andy is is it equal measure or is it slightly more sad than slightly more laughable I like to think more laughable (laughs) I I like to err towards laughable myself if if you can't Um, get a laugh then what can you do and so, yes, on, on my, there's another chat. But it was like a criticism of the whole trade press there in, as well. It's like... Oh, it's okay, so... It's, there's so much... That, what Americans have a phrase, they go, so much cope. <laughs> I just butt hurt. I, people just get in, get in their feathers ruffled because something's happened that, that isn't completely consistent with their view of the world. So that's what this guy, Tim Lynch, who was the one who was using all the straw men, was going. And then a chat called Dan Pitt was going, what, so telecoms.com is buying into conspiracy theories now? And then he just says a bit, which I had to call out. He goes, I thought companies felt an obligation to be good community citizens. Why did he think that? Why did he think that? Quite. So I called that out in my comment and went, lol. Uh, and, then, and then went, I don't agree. And, if you, uh, and it, at the end of it, he flounced off and said, he goes, telecoms.com has been number four on my priority list of reliable sources of information in our field. Perhaps number four? He's got a ranking list of reliable well, sources. And then he goes, as his, final, <laughs> as his final burn, perhaps I'm fine with just one to three. Well, who are one to three? I want to know. Well, quite. 
and so I said, so I said, I don't agree. And if you want to restrict yourself to writers who do, then so be it. I mean, that's what it comes down I th- to. I think number He's, four sounds quite good on a reliability list. I'd be quite well. Happy I, to I be did say on a reliability list. My last, my last <laughs> comment was was also only number four uh, out of four. Yeah. Um, he, and, he reads four sources. That's yeah. it. <laughs> You know, and, and God, there was more, someone who used a pseudonym, believer in science and corporate responsibility, why you'd use that as a pseudonym, I don't know, goes, called me a corporate shill um, and says, uh, and says, you're really getting out there, Mr. Pacino, your readers deserve better. And so I just, I was getting bored by this, I just said, they love it. Because you do, I know you do. Um, and then so on and so on and so on. So, you know, one person had a pop, it was a fairly big moan, but it was also some feedback he goes you know um he he doesn't like the direction this article indicates about the website and i went well thanks for your feedback interesting to see where the line of the sand is for some because that's what it comes down to Mm -hmm. is i've said some stuff that some people don't like well well, to be honest i don't agree with everything you say but i'm still sat here (laughs) there we go and i I look forward to i look forward to some robust exchanges now that i've finished being self-indulgent and talking about my my trolls so Let's cut to Aisha. I better do the, the That's thing. That's the longest intro we've ever had. I know, I know. That's some of the longest <laughs> bit of bullshit. So, two things. What are we going to talk about? I think we're going to talk about... Um, Dean is, as I think I mentioned a minute ago, active on Twitter, um, for which I commend you. I'm not that active on Twitter, mainly because I don't trust myself to not do right career-ending stuff, but uh, you're self-employed, aren't you? Yeah, well, firstly, I work for myself, so yeah. the boss says it's all right. And yeah. secondly, I actually have <laughs> other online channels to rant about, to, to do yeah. my ranting on. So There yeah, we go. I, no, I, I you're try, very active on LinkedIn I, as well, I try, I try and keep signal-to-noise on my professional Twitter relatively good. Occasionally, it'll slip a little bit. But, yeah, uh, but, but you're, yeah. it'll be about telecoms-y telecoms stuff. Telecoms and tech. And yeah, I might, I might go... So, so some of the stuff, I know that this is going to be trigger warning, green tech coming. Um, yeah, yeah. so I might already, talk about... Before we started, yeah. I was sort of bitching about greenwash. So yeah, was, whereas I, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of be a big advocate for things like nuclear power or for zero emission aviation or various things to do with... I'm with you on nuclear yeah, wind, power, wind, wind solar, yeah. Nuclear power Carbon is our only hope. I'm... <clears throat> Uh, on the matter of green, another tangent, on the matter of green, I'm all in favour of practical technological solutions. I don't, mm. as I said, I think on the last pod, I don't want the planet to be destroyed. Mm. I'm going to put that out there. I'd rather the planet not be destroyed. I've got kids. Yeah. Um, but I just don't, there's just so much posturing and virtue signalling and just bullshit. Oh, God, That's there's more than ever I, I actually quite liked the UK. Yeah, you wrote a bit about I, I, that. Yeah, mm. and I wrote, I, I quite liked the UK net zero strategy that came out last week, which was, which was it was very much not hair shirt it was like we're going to have technology based yeah. solutions we're going to try to minimise the sort of behavioural aspect to it which frankly you know the nice thing about nuclear power is the electricity still works the same way it always does or you know electric vehicles are a bit more of a faff than you know petrol mm. but the same thing is if someone wants can create a you know a piece of meat that is artificial grown in a lab but it tastes like chicken or Some steak or whatever, steak or whatever. You know, frankly if it's functionally equivalent, it tastes just as nice, and it's and good I, for you. I, I don't have to feel guilty about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and yeah. Whereas the no, I've got to um, yeah make a purposeful effort to fly less or eat less yeah. or whatever. Like Joanna Lumley, who wants rationing to come back, and <laughs> I like Joanna Lumley. She's lost her goddamn mind. <laughs> ah, well, no, it might come I, back anyway. I want yeah. electric pl- uh, flight exactly. planes. Did you see and, that today yeah. on, the, on the environmental issue? Oh wow. So they've both gone, Spectator and Economist, and I subscribe to both. You, you said the mainstream exactly media the same. was all telling the same line, eh? So <laughs> then, for, for those not, not watching on video, Spectator and Economist this week have both gone with the cover headline, Cop Out. Uh-huh. The only difference being that Economist has put a hyphen in. 
It's on Monday, right? Like um, when film but, studios bring out the same film, yeah, three yeah, years yeah, apart yeah. and call it 1492 or something. But. I know, I was appalled when I when I published my book to then search for it on Amazon to see that Ben Elton had a book called Identity Crisis. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Although, to some extent, you, you know, at least it does prove that there, there isn't collusion amongst all the yeah. different branches of the media. No. Because <laughs> you know, so, you know, they would have gone, oh, we can't do this. There's no conspiracy, yeah. No, it's like, they just both went I just thought it was amusing. They both came to the letterbox that opened them up, both of them, and it's like, I mean, normally the headlines are really different, obviously, you'd expect. It's like, what the hell's going on here? There's got to be other cop puns, though. I know. Like, buddy cop, or something, God knows. Anyway. Cop a feel. Cop a Oh, we go. Feel a cop or something. No, that sounds even worse. Um... So, uh, oh yes, so so yeah, Dean's active on social media, and uh, among recent tweets from Dean have been, um, which I won't go into now, but we will when we finally get finish the intro and get around to starting, um, talking, having a pop at sort of 5G in a sort of, let's stop talking more generally about it and start looking at specific useful things, mm. useful technologies, useful use cases, all that sort of thing. So I reckon... Um, we might, you know, a, a caption, Pierre, for, for when we're having our inevitable exchange on Monday morning might be Misk. something like, uh, might be like 5G fails or, yeah. you know, something like that. Because we, we, we're, we're definitely talk about areas in which we've, the industry's dropped the ball, but I think we'll also be constructive and talk about areas in which they yeah. could improve. Uh, I, my, my, my thing that I've been saying for a few years now is it's, it's important, but it's just another G. Yeah, and yeah. there's usually a picture of a Jaguar car just to annoy everyone on that. And there's a five G Jag, but <coughs> right, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's an incremental upgrade. And yes, people will talk about oh, it's got this core network and service based this and slicing. We'll talk about that in a minute, but that's internal plumbing. Yes, yeah, it's like why it's, does anyone care? Yeah, it's like upgrading the, the software in your toaster. Yeah, it's, it's great if you're a toaster manufacturer, but yeah. I don't really care if I'm going to go and buy a new. You know, dual it or Breville or whatever. You must be posh and I'm if you've got software in your toaster. <laughs> um, but then you are about to move to West Hampstead, so I gather. So um, fair enough. Sorry, sorry for doxing you there. Well, um, speaking of, sorry, city, city of the month because it's the last one. Oh yeah, of the month. Hampstead is a top city. Okay, and then followed closely by Riley, Carolina. Okay, Weird. of course. What's, yeah. What's yeah. in Raleigh? There any tech companies yeah. there? Or? I don't know. Raleigh. Yeah, Raleigh, Raleigh is like what's called Research Triangle, though, is it? Is it right. That's, that's North Carolina, Carolina, isn't it? Rather North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, North Carolina's the posher Carolina, I think. <laughs> South Carolina's a bit more sort of Appalachian and... It's got Charleston, which is cute. Deliverance. Charleston's nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I, I, it's, that's one of the places I really want to go to. But You can but do that dance. But on the other brilliant. hand, it's... it's do very, a little dance with your leg popping up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That was obviously a conversation breaker. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we've got as far as the first thing we're going to talk about. We haven't had that many beers, by the way, everyone. In case you're yeah. wondering why we're being so silly, we're, we're half just, an we're hour just in. obviously in that mood. Um, uh, and then we're going to talk. I've written about. So I mentioned with Facebook. There's been some Facebook news today. They've rebranded themselves Meta for reasons best known to them. But we're going to talk not so much about the rebrand itself, although there is some sort of corporate strategic relevance to that, but but the metaverse, which it makes reference to, um, and why we should care about that, if at all. And I might also talk about my most read story of the week, which is another sort of internet culture, internet economy thing. Um, and then I think we're going to finish off talking about quarterlies. Um, 
I haven't written any myself this week. Uh, Way wrote up Nokia for us yesterday, but you wrote up Nokia, didn't you, Ian? Mm. Um, so we'll do that. Um, and like reading wrote up Huawei, I've only seen their release, but there's some stuff to talk about well, I, there. I, I think it's maybe interesting to sort of compare the three big kit vendors. Okay, and we had Ericsson week before, didn't we? Yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll do that. <laughs> and, and then just to remind you, that if you're watching it on the site or on YouTube or even Facebook slash Meta, um, you can also listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, Everywhere. I'm losing track How now. much have you had to drink? All those places. I know, I know. I'm going to have to just hand over while I have a little kip in the corner. <laughs> not enough. Um, cool. Well, actually, I've... 22 minutes intro. 22 minute <laughs> intro. There yeah. we are. Okay. Well, I better right. go on with it then, haven't I? Um, Dean. Yes. Hi. So <laughs> I'm going to... Hello, Dean. <laughs> By the way, Dean's on the podcast, everyone. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to read out one of your tweets um, from this week. I think I'm going to start with this one. You went to a thing, I think Ian might have gone to it as well, the Total Telecom Congress. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and on your way, um, as well as looking forward to meeting people and just generally hanging out with telecoms types, um, you said you're hoping for less hashtag 5G wash. Is that a hashtag? I'm trying it to make is now. it. Yeah. Right, you're trying to make it. Um, more focus on telcos doing in-house R&D, less 2011 era whining about hashtag net neutrality and more hashtag private wireless. Hmm. So why don't you just start by telling us why you sent that tweet and what you meant by it? Well, yeah, to be honest, for the last couple of years, there's just been a never-ending stream of hype about 5G. And, and yeah, so I think 5G is important, but one of the things is we've had over-promising, consistent. You, know, you get hype with all technologies, but this has been on another level. And also, importantly, it gets picked up by politicians. It even gets picked up by all the crazies who thinks that because... Oh, tell me about it. Well, essentially, the industry has been saying 5G... Uh, literally, the, some people have said 5G is the most important thing since electricity. Yeah, which, yeah. frankly, it's the most ludicrous it's thing I've ever Definition of hype, isn't uh, it? Uh, and unsurprisingly, some people who are not technically the most... Abled have run with it. It'll also save the planet, according yeah. to Ericsson this uh, week. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so my, my view is that first off, yeah, it's an important upgrade, but it's coming in phases, and everyone's been selling it on the benefit on the basis of things that won't happen for three to four years, even from now. Never mind three years ago, and that's if they work and if anyone actually buys buys them. And I think for now, 5G is essentially sort of phase one. It's 4G plus. So I'm getting pretty tired with just the constant you know, bombardment with, oh, it's one millisecond latency and it will run everything and your factory will be entirely 5G and you and don't even get me started on connected or autonomous vehicles and mm. remote surgery remote and all the rest surgery. of it. <laughs> I mean, I was a few Mobile World Congresses ago. I did that, and, and the guy, a very nice guy from King's College London, um, Misha Dola, I think oh, his yeah, name, yeah. he had a little flap because he thought I was just sort of lampooning the whole thing. And I was just going, no, it's just hyperbolic. No one's doing I, any I goddamn remote he, surgery. He, he had this campaign where it was like a guy getting tattooed Tattooed remotely, or, yes, yeah. and I'm like, surely he would be like at home or in a parlor yeah. or where the machine is. But well, the other one in the, the field, the, he was on, a, he was on a mountain. Wasn't There's he? a guy on, on Mount Snowden getting yeah, a remote yeah. shave. Yeah. yeah, it's like because uh, yeah, because uh, that would uh, happen, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and to be honest, you don't need one millisecond for that. Even yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the you know, 10, 20, 30 right. milliseconds is probably enough. So you could do it with four G. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and do fact, remote shaving well, the with 4G. Is, most of, most of what, today's 5G is 4G under the hood anyway. Why would you want to do remote shave anyway? It sounds like no, something could go exactly. horribly wrong. Uh, and that then really would be a killer it, application. Yeah. You really should have got the <laughs> fucking hanger shaving uh, by now, shouldn't you? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> a real killer. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Who's going to go to... Even, frankly, even get your hair cut by a robot. Yeah. Right. We've had robotic coffee makers. robots and razors near me. I don't, That's yeah, not exactly. a winning combo yeah. for me. Exactly. No. Frankly, yeah, it, was all this, it, it ties in with all this sort of hyper, oh, robots are going to take all our jobs. Really? We've had robot coffee machines for the last 30 or 50 years. We've still got and baristas. We've got more baristas than ever. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, all this is Need great. Need someone to push the button. Yeah. Oh, no, God. Um, so, anyway. Someone so, to so make I'm, a little heart in the froth. So, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I, yeah, I was, I was, I was quite pleased that they didn't oversell five G. And actually, some operators are better than others. So, you know, Orange, for example, has come out and they say things like five G will be three times faster. I think I saw on one of their things a while back, and I'm like, actually, that's that's plausible. I'll buy that. Yeah. Whereas people go, oh, a hundred times faster mm. and one millisecond latency, and it's going to be everywhere. I'm like, well, yeah, actually, the one millisecond stuff isn't going to work through the wall. Who, so, do, yeah. who do you think are the worst offenders? I mean, I, well, I don't want to put you on the spot. And I, I'll ask you to name operators, but is there Any anybody shame. that sticks out that you think is... is obviously, the, the kit vendors are hyping it because they yeah. want to sell the equipment, but is there it's anybody on the spot? I think the governments, governments yeah, of the yeah. world hype it. What, what, yeah. I, I remember, you know, sort of one one thing I went to in, in Brussels a few years ago, and they were saying, oh, no, 5G is going to have this absolute... It's going to be ubiquitous. I'm like, it's not... Yeah, mm. we're in an underground hotel room. I can bet you a tenner you know I mean? if we come back Can't here, even get three G in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And there's this this, this trade off between the higher the performance, the worse the coverage is, um, yeah. and particularly indoors. So if you're sitting on your sofa, even if you've got your robotic shaver in the bathroom, <laughs> it'll be using Wi-Fi. Yeah. If it's using anything, fiber. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I go yeah. fiber to the bathroom. There you go. FTTB. FTTB. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, so I I I was quite pleased that it wasn't as oversold as it's been at some events that I've I've been to recently, um, and I thought that, that actually the other thing that was quite good was there was a, and it's perhaps because they had the keynotes were more from the sort of CTO yeah. background rather than CEO is they were actually talking a little bit more about stuff they're inventing, and I, I mean, so Vodafone I, I I was quite impressed with saying. We are by default going to look at whether we can build stuff rather than buy it. So that was our lead item last week yeah. from from the dinner we went to. It, it doesn't mean they're yeah. going to succeed, but they've actually spent some time and thought, you know, we can actually differentiate. And well, obviously, the, the proof is in the pudding. But the attitude of we're going to try and build something is what the telecoms industry has been missing, frankly, for the last ten or fifteen years. There's all this griping, and this comes up to the point with the net neutrality thing as well. Most of the net neutrality gripes are. Excuse me, Mr. Regulator, we're dumb. Can you tax the tech clever people for us? Mm. Whereas, in fact, yeah. if you actually go and spend money on doing R&D and inventing things, or at least choosing the, the thing, differentiated things to, to buy and resell, then you've got more chance of creating new services, new products, being different to the other operators. Whereas, essentially, if you've got four operators in a country and they've all got Ericsson or Nokia networks, all got roughly the same cell grid, they're differentiating based on who they've managed to negotiate a content deal with and a slightly mm. different billing, billing and pricing strategy. So then you get into the, the venerable sort of dumb pipe utility type of thing. Which, yeah, that's the other thing. Is, is Firstly, I hate this term, dumb pipe. Two reasons. One is 
networks and packets of, of you know, IP packets are not fluids. They're very, very different. Um, and, and actually, any analogy which, which draws a uh, well, sorry, any analogy between a fluid and connectivity is wrong. Actually, between fluid and money is wrong as well. Um, and the second thing is actually, ironically, pipes, it turns out, are very profitable. If you look at pipeline companies, right. you know, yeah. they're the people in the oil industry who all make money almost no matter what. Right. And they're also not that dumb. The, all the, if right. you think about the valves and pipes, and you know, ask Mr. Putin about um, pipes from yeah, uh, yeah. Russia and, and yeah, yeah. how dumb they are. Do you know what I mean? Well, the, the operators well, themselves are, are pretty profitable, aren't they? Most of them. It's not like the, the, this sort of yeah. this all this whinging about Netflix recently because of Squid Game, and they want to <sighs> they think Netflix this this res- resurrected. I was this, just going to mention yeah. that in the net neutrality rubbishy context. argument. Uh, yeah, about, that was actually one of the more red yeah. cock, um, things yeah. on television. Yeah, there's a guy. I mean, I know BT's trying to rekindle this this whole net. Well, neutrality BT debate. did um, an interview with the Guardian uh, with between Mark Alera, who's CEO of, yeah. the, of the consumer business, and he he was sort of suggesting they should be able to sort of pretty much what's going on in South Korea suggesting they should be able to charge Netflix again and that and and it's it's interesting because I was I mean this is on the record so I'm going to say it I was sitting next to Scott Petty at the dinner mm. that we went to and he pretty much shares the same view he was sort of complaining that Scott Petty's Vodafone by the way yeah. he's the sort of chief digital officer which I know is an expression you'll love Dean um, but <laughs> he <laughs> but he he was saying that he was saying the same thing you know he was complaining that oh our revenues are flat and we have to spend all this money on on rolling out networks and, and Netflix doesn't spend it. Pretty much that was his argument, well, I think. The, the I'm not doing a disservice by saying by quoting him saying uh, that. But uh, I mean, it, 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 it staggers me, to be honest. Firstly, all the technology companies, whether they're Netflix or whether they're Facebook or Google, they spend huge amounts on whether it's data centers, they own half the subsea fiber yeah. around the planet. Yeah, they've got tons of engineers they do lots of research on everything from you know making energy efficient uh, equipment to designing their own chips to uh, you know, creating content and they've got and a ridiculous cash cow to, yeah. to fund um, it all but yeah i mean the other thing is the, the, the hypocrisy here is every single operator uses the public internet yeah they've all got a website they use customer service on. They're talking about their digital channels. Um, ironically, with net neutrality, the first thing that, that will get blocked is you probably find that BT would block Vodafone.com. <laughs> yeah, and actually, the re- yeah. So it's like, yeah, be careful what rules you want to change because yeah. it might it might backfire. I, I, I even find the definition of net neutrality to be vague. It means one thing it, to it Americans. Is, it is and vague. It means another thing to Europeans. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, loosely, if if someone put me on the spot and said define it. I'd say people think it means treat all traffic the same, yeah. but we don't treat all traffic. I mean, we we have we have different tariffs. You can get a hundred megabit per second tariff or a one gigabit per second tariff. Is that not in some way treating traffic differently? Mm. I mean, the- no. I'd say it's, it's a lack of differentiation on the access part of the network, um, and it's trying to put filters in place. And I, yeah, I mean, I remember looking at this, this ages ago, and it's, I'm broadly aligned with net neutrality, except for what the actually I think the EU came up with a good term with specialised services. But specialised services need to be special. Mm. That's, yeah. yeah. So if you're talking about heart pacemaker and a monitoring app for it, it's special. Yeah. Fine. Prioritize it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you do have prioritization on home broadband for your phone line, you know, the, the, the PSDN, and for their on-network video for their IPTV. And that's fair enough It's on if it's on their, their service on their physical infrastructure. But, yeah, there's other things. So streaming Squid Game is not special. Yeah, it is not no, special. It's just popular. I think that's one of the problems of this argument is that the the, mm. the, the, the legislation that EU's come out with about specialised services is quite hazy anyway, yes. and yeah. and the, there's an opportunity I think for Ofcom to oh. try and do something with net neutrality and all this stuff about 
we should be able to charge Netflix by default is is a distraction from what they should be thinking it's about. It's a distraction and it's also likely to be dangerous because what happens when Netflix turns around and says, all right, we'll pay you 100 million, but you pay us 200 million or else we'll block Squid Game for exactly. your subscribers and totally. we'll provide free advertising to your competitors. Isn't there even a How suggestion? Like I think the last thing uh, that's come out in recent days yeah. was a suggestion that's, that Netflix might withdraw content from South Korea. Well, it becomes uh, which a I think is brilliant. Yeah. It becomes because a standoff, of, doesn't it? It becomes a battle yeah. of Well, and then let, let's see let's see who holds the cards. There. I think four percent of Netflix's customers are in South. Five percent are in South Korea. And all the Koreans are yeah. losing their shit, and, and they they're gonna... and they're all on big broadband. Uh, no, or even better they're... for competition. They only withdraw um, Squid Game from SK Broadband because that's the one well, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's what they and do. Then and then everybody would go to yeah, the competitors. Exactly. And the other thing is, you know, Google used to run their, I, don't, I think, I think they, they either stopped it or, or, or limited it, their fibre network in various bits of the US, I think Chattanooga and a few other cities. So Google, at least, and I'm sure the others, have a fantastic understanding of the real economics of building and running networks. So they they could just turn around the regulators and say, you know what, we're just going to open source our spreadsheet. This is what it really costs if you do it properly. Maybe um, this is one of the reasons they did it, to, to, to be sure. able to have that as a sort of backup. I, 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 There's normally a bit of a game yeah. of chess going on. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that, that, that yeah, you, can, you can construct arguments for and against it. I think the specialised services get out is fine as long as those, those services are special. I've got no problems to someone giving network priority to your heart pacemaker, although, frankly, that shouldn't be using the public internet yeah. anyway. But. Yeah. Can you... I might grab another beer as well. Yeah, Scott, well, I think we're going to get into um, Dean's ghost ship now. It's been sitting in the. It's been sitting in the. Um, the Yeti. What, the Yeti, on a bit of ice. It is crisp. Um, oh so one thing, actually, while I'm while I'm doing this to sort of pad out the segue, um, the talk of net neutrality and specialised service leads me on to a second Dean Bubbly recent tweet, where you said, "I'm increasingly of the opinion that." You do like a hashtag, don't you? Uh, well, I'm yeah. going to stop reading out the hashtags. Yeah, yeah. That 5G network slicing is the biggest strategic technology error, uh, um, error in the English sense, not error like era in American, um, error of the mobile industry since RCS and IMS. So, yeah, why is network slicing such a strategic technology <sighs> error? Right. So for, for people who aren't aware, network slicing is the 5G suggested approach to creating sort of virtualized sort of different overlays within one network, which is, is not unusual in networking speak. So if you've got an office um, network, you will have virtualized la- virtual LANs running on it. Yeah, all fire fair enough. But it's internal plumbing. And instead... The telecoms industry is trying to come up with this idea of, you know what, we can sell Ford a slice of the 5G network to, you know, for their specific requirements, or you know, we'll sell a slice for gaming, or you know, a slice to government, or whatever, and and we'll, we'll dynamically create slices um, with all these different characteristics, and that one's for extra mobility, and this one's more security, and that one's lower latency, and at one level, I think you know clearly the operators are going to need to have different capabilities running on 5G, you know, for, for their own purposes. You know, maybe it's they're partitioning their business and their consumer customers or wholesale for MVNOs. Um, or there's a particular dedicated set of resources for, you know, ultra-low latency in future iterations. But this idea that Ford is going to turn around, you know, we'll have a slice, when actually Ford has probably a 1,000 applications running in 100 different places on 100 different networks, um, 
it just is just baffling. And it to me, it's another example of the of the telecoms industry taking, you know, perhaps a worthy example of internal technology and plumbing, and massively making it more complex and trying to turn it into a revenue generator when it hasn't even proved okay, itself. Okay, so I'm going to. Um in the short knowledge that you understand the actual sort of technicality of it far better than I do, I'm going to sort of be devil's advocate and be the yeah, be the be the people who are marketing network mm. slicing, and they are marketing. Let's let's pick your example of Ford. Their marketing is saying Ford, for its smart factories, will want a sort of low latency, high reliability, sort of robust. Um, thing for controlling robots, but then they might want another bit that's high on the on the broadband bandwidth, hmm. and 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 they can pick and choose that, and they can basically fine tune the characteristics of the network for their yeah. industrial needs. Yeah. I would say on very very fine localized applications that might work but actually in that scenario ford will probably want a completely private network and bits of it might be right, run by point. the operator but then it's but would you get network, network slicing within that private network yeah, with, you, with, you would need it would you yeah well, yeah there would be some sort of engineering and prioritization whether it's slicing but this is yeah the, the big picture oh it's going to be the wide area and even when we're so we're in this studio what two walls from the outside outside world. yeah yeah so frankly the gating factor is we won't get signal in here anyway so the idea of Slicing it is irrelevant. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and uh, this has been the perennial problem for the last twenty years. I've got a bit four G. I've only got one bar. Though. One, one bar of four G in here. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, so the perennial problem over the last twenty years has been the, uh, the, the telecoms industry trying to quote monetize quality of service QoS, um, and yeah, oh, we we can guarantee five nines for this critical application. Problem is that network coverage is variable, and having ninety nine point nine 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 percent performance 70% of the time hmm. isn't much use to anyone if you're a developer unless you absolutely engineer engineer it precisely and the gating factor on all of this and particularly on wireless is um, coverage and indoor coverage in particular hmm. and so I remember I mean, years, years ago actually funny yeah. I think it was somebody used to, I think it was EE that they used to work for I'm having a conversation with somebody who worked in the, the, the internal network department they said all this stuff about quality service is great but there's three problems I see one, it doesn't work properly. Two, we don't know how to sell it. And three, the customers don't know how to buy it. No, other than that, <laughs> other than that, we're laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, who is the QoS procurement manager at Ford or BBC? Yeah. There isn't someone. They'd have to. They don't even know they need that job title. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to have to be the, the the lead time of actually getting firstly just to make making sure sure it all works, and then actually the commercials, and then if you're a large organisation like Ford, you don't want to have to deal with a hundred operators around the world. You need a room full of lawyers just to negotiate your QoS contracts, let alone enforce them. And, yeah, and enforce them exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and the, How do you know the, when they failed? Well, what's the customer service function? I'm so, sorry, this is this is the CIO at Ford. My slices failed. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine the, the the sheer headache of working out whose fault it is, especially in an open round era? fixing it meanwhile they're losing a million bucks an hour in fact they'd rather have a private network with someone on site and and a backup plan this, this trend to private networks though with, especially with yeah. companies and i think in germany is a, a really a really good example of it where they've even sort of yeah. sold spectrum to yeah. the to the to the to people like ford where they can come along mm. and, and work with ericsson or nokia on, on the equipment side totally. and just manage their own thing that's that's clearly that, a massive threat that, to network slicing isn't well, it I mean, well, I, yes i think it is yeah and I, i've been following private actually f- first time i saw a small cell on an enterprise private network was 20 years ago 
remember seeing a small company called IP Access, which made small cells, and had recently been bought Still by right. Mavenir. Yeah. But it used to be owned by TTPCom um, up near Cambridge. And that's been on a slow burn. And the thing, it's been used on like maritime for ships and oil rigs and military for private cellular for a while. But in the last two years, particularly in Germany, US, UK, Japan, bits, bits of France, it's really sort of hit an inflection point. So if, I want, if you wanted to, you could probably get a 10 megahertz of spectrum for 100 quid for this building. Yeah. Yeah, Ofcom now has a whole bunch of bands that you can get in the UK for 4G, private 4G. And, and they're 5G. very low cost, aren't they? And they start at a very low cost. Level. Yeah. The German ones are designed for sort of campus networks, yeah. particularly manufacturing. Japan's got a different set of rules. The US. One of the problems with the private wireless is everywhere's different. And so the type of private network you can build in the UK is a bit different to Germany and, and Japan. Yeah. But, you know, that's not the end of the world. Um, but I think that's that. Uh, and you might be slicing on those networks. But at the moment, you know, it's not it's not that level of sophistication, and they won't be as um, bought into. We must follow the three GPP standards for it. They'll do. They'll go to whatever vendor they have and say, "We need to make sure, sure that our robots don't interfere with our security cameras, with our walkie-talkies." And they might use official network slicing, or they might have something else that comes from the IT IT world. So I think that that type of thing is going to be important. But the sort of the idea that across the country as a whole you're going to slice up the 5G network. And the question then is, how many slices? Is it three, 30, mm, 300, yeah. 3,000, or 3 million? Because the, the, yeah, as soon as you start getting into larger numbers, you need a, a ton of automation, a ton of AI, and an algorithm, which then becomes a single point of failure for everything, which is when you get a phone, a phone call from the feds who, who want to have a word with you if you want to run your gaming on a separate slice to your yeah. critical infrastructure. So in, investing in it is going to be a massive deal for oh. operators if they're spending a lot of money on this now, and then we'd see this trend towards companies just doing their own <coughs> private wireless thing and the whole thing doesn't take off, then they're potentially just setting themselves <coughs> up for a big failure. Well, I, th- I think that, you know, the, the, it will be useful internally. Yeah, it's a way of yeah. segmenting resources internally, and that makes sense. But not something you can market. I don't think so. Yeah. Also, back to your point about how, how many slices are there. So we were talking just before we started recording, when we were talking about you know 5G areas in which it's overpromised and that mm. sort of thing. And there was the, the 5G triangle of like 2017 <laughs> or something, where you basically had the three cardinal points of, of what 5G promises, which is enhanced mobile broadband, which basically means more 4G. IoT, which has got fuck all to do with 5G as far as yep. I understand it, it's just a thing in and of itself. Well, apparently MBIOT and LTE and now 5G. Oh, the, the, yeah. they, they redefined 4G technologies as 5G. To be 5G, because they, exactly. Yeah. They, uh, because otherwise we'd just have a line uh, and not a triangle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, 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 the thing is that they for- completely forgot about fixed wireless access, ironically, yeah. which actually was the, the most first, interesting one. It's the most interesting yeah. one. It's, <laughs> the one, it's, it's the one the currently thing, most It's currently the one. thing which 5G can do better than 4G by yeah. a considerable margin. Well, we, were at broad, we were at Broadband World Forum a couple of weeks ago and that was one of the biggest things that people were chatting so about. So it should have been a square at the least or they should have booted out the IoT stuff. Well, they should have been, uh, and then the third one was this um, low latency. And even back then, even with my sort of relatively dilettante, certainly compared to you two, understanding of of this stuff, I could see that that was the only novel thing Mm. was the low latency, high um, reliability, reliability, that sort of thing. and now we're still... So, I mean, I'm going to that, quickly... That's still not here yet. We're I mean, still not here. So there was a thing that you flagged up, a very short story I wrote, because it was a very short press release. Um, but that was this week. Um, headline, E devotes some of its new 700 megahertz spectrum to indoor 5G. Now, this isn't this isn't necessarily mm. a, um, a low latency thing. No. But it's, it's a, another measure 
I think you made a point, and, I, and I'll, I'm not going to paraphrase you. I'll ask you to sort of repeat it if you can remember. But you made a point about um, the sort of staggered way in yeah, which 5G right. is delivering. And this seems like an example of it. So, you know, we're hearing about even mid-band, let alone millimetre wave, and we might get onto millimetre wave. Um, they're a great idea. There's a lot more spectrum mm. real estate there. But we know the propagation characteristics, once you get above, much above sort of um, two gigs or whatever... Uh, start well i mean obviously it's probably linear but you know sub one gig is great for propagation then it gets worse mm. as you go further up get to mid band that's worse gets millimeter wave it's shite um and uh and now they've got to they they won some 700 megahertz spectrum in an auction and they're using it f- to basically make 5g get inside buildings is was the best of my understanding of it but let me hand it back to you mm. i just sort of trailed Elaborate on your point about how 5G is sort of delivering on its promises it's, in stages. It's phased. I mean, so, so you look at the, the release... The, yeah, essentially, the 5G isn't monolithic. There are s- multiple generations of 5G technologies. If you can call it, think of it as, you know, version 1, 2, 3. It's actually 3GPP released 15, 16, 17, 18. Uh, so we're on 15 at the moment. We're, we're on 15 part 2. Right. at the moment, <laughs> which is yeah, and, and which essentially release fifteen was get it out early. It's four G plus. It's still using the old four G core network initially. Like now non- you've non- got standalone. non-standalone. Yeah. Now we're on the standalone, but still on release fifteen. Frankly, all the cool stuff starts with release sixteen. There's a little bit of coolness on on the sort of fifteen standalone. When's sixteen supposed to be coming out? Well, it's, it's been standardised, but it's not yet in full product. Yeah. And this is where it's interesting for the enterprises is that the enterprises will probably deploy that on their private networks before the operators deploy it on the public network. At the moment, operators are still going from NSA to SA with release 15. So I asked at the, the event on, on this week, was when are you going to have release 16 up and running? And I didn't get a proper answer. So my view is... Because cool. everybody knows. I think it's 2023. Right. Yeah, and, and so if you like, day one for the cool stuff, even in theory on 5G, is 2023 in most of the world. Um, and everything so the marketing departments have got another year of yeah. just sort of chucking stuff out there. <laughs> and there's bits and pieces. Yeah, it's nice. You can get fast downloads and the rest of it. But, other, but all of the particularly anything that talks about one millisecond is years away. Yeah. And, and to actually commercialise it and have that reliably across a large area is pie in the sky. Because it's actually even it, you won't even get one millisecond on the mid band or low band because of the, the rules of the spectrum rules. Yeah. So, so yeah. but is the is the is release six? I mean, you said the really cool stuff. Is it even really that cool? Nah, I mean, is it is it going to come along? It's, and, the, it's and the it's the beginning of the. Yeah, it, it's yeah. when well, we had this expression being churned out a little bit yeah. at, um, at Broadband World Forum, even though it wasn't a five G mm. event. People sort of mentioning real five G. <laughs> you know, this what we've <laughs> got at the moment isn't real five G. No. It's just souped up four G. When point, real five G comes along, things are going to be wonderful. It's, it's ver- we're on version zero point nine at the moment. We're just getting right. to version one with standalone. Yeah, and that's like version two and version three you'll get progressively more features and so we get halfway through the you decade get tattooed in the field yeah that won't stop people but, like AT&T calling it 5.5G but I, as soon as they get half the chance. I just wonder whether the because the story at the mm. moment has been very much about um, you know they're sort of selling souped up consumer services really I mean it's not even souped yeah. up consumer services it's just it's just you have a 5G phone and it works a little bit faster but you're probably not going to notice anything and you might get slightly um, bad coverage at the edge of the you might get better coverage yeah. yeah all, all which yeah. is yeah it's incremental and, and then there's that story with on the operator side where mm-hmm. Okay, I, I get it to some extent that, that it's more efficient yeah, and and, totally. and it's a better way of supporting capacity increases than 4G. So you can do economic flat yeah. rate, flat flat rate 
yeah, yeah, it becomes more of an economic. But but then this story that they're that they're sort of um, coming out with that well, when the enterprise opportunity really comes along, that's when we're really going to sort of see growth. I'm I'm sort of I'm very skeptical. I just I, I well, there's I, a bunch of things. First off, the enterprises can do it themselves. There's, yeah. The second thing is there's a whole tier of intermediate service providers emerging. So all the tower companies, um, some of the fixed operators, a bunch of systems integrators, every sort of outsourcing company on the planet. Is, is jumping into helping enterprises with their wireless. That doesn't mean there's no role for the carrier um, as well, but it's going to be, oh, maybe they're doing, I don't know, free-for-all, yeah, managed SIM cards or something like that as a, sli- yeah. as a, as a slice, as a, as a part of it. Um, so I, th- I think that's, that's not as easy as it sounds to make money on enterprise. And the other thing is there just aren't the skills. Yeah. I, I would estimate, roughly, there's probably 100 times more enterprise Wi-Fi engineers than enterprise 5G engineers. Yeah. And particularly if you start including slicing and millimetre wave and all the rest of it. Now, yeah, frankly, if you want to make money, you set up a training company. Um, yeah, because there's a massive skills gap. And yeah. so people are, yeah, Should we do that? Yeah, let's do let's it. announce it. Now. There you go. Right. Yeah, we're done. Are, are you optimistic? Because we, we came in talking about the Vodafone mm. software plan. You know, this recruiting, yeah. not recruiting really, actually adding and retraining, but eventually sort of having a, a software team that's yes. that's about what it would it be? So they've got, they got nine thousand at the yeah. moment. They're adding another seven. Yeah. So sixteen. Yeah. But but I mean. Because I, I've, I mean, we Scott and I both went yeah. to the press conference on that, and, and Johan Weiberg was pretty much talking the same thing at the event this mm. week. And I, I and I, I'm Great kind stake. of positive yeah. about some aspects of that. And I, I, I mm. talked to the the guy who's head of software engineering at Vodafone late in the day as well. And a lot of it seems to be about you know not buying as much mm. from OSS vendors, for instance, working with Netcracker, for example, yeah. which I think he gave as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and contributing more of their own intellectual property on that. And then they can, and, then, and Scott Petty said this at the dinner we went out, they can kind of cut what they're spending on systems integrators and take more responsibility. But the bit I'm, I'm more sort of dubious about is whether we'll see innovative services coming out of what they're doing um, there and, and whether it'll lead to growth for, for operators. To, to be honest, but, I'd say it's necessary but not sufficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and it's a good start. I, th- I think it's it's essential, and I think taking ownership of some of the technology stack is is yeah. important. It doesn't mean that they'll be able to recruit the best developers or the most you know, innovative ideas, but it's it's a good start. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, if, if you, I, and I think that if you look around the world, there's some op- other operators have taken a similar approach. AT and T has, I'd say, Geo, obviously Rakuten as well. Yeah. You know, so getting a bit more hands-on with the technology. I say not just software, but frankly, they, they should be doing it with silicon as well. Um, right, okay. okay yeah, if, if you look at the, one of the differentiators for Apple at the moment, and also Facebook and Google, is doing their own design work on, on chips. Yeah. yeah, they've all got... You know, how, how many operators have, have an ARM development licence? Yeah. For example. So I think that... that but again, it's a start. And well, I that's think a whole yeah, new yeah. area of skill set they've got again. To, to, but it's, it's part of... I mean, like of, Apple, for example, bought yeah. a... Yeah, a chip. What was it? PI uh, something or other. Uh, anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, SoftBank owned ARM, but yeah, which is probably probably yeah. the, 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 done much of it, have they? No, no. I mean, to be honest, it was one of the most interesting acquisitions over the last five, five, ten years. I thought. Do you think uh, Nvidia should be allowed to buy ARM? Um, That's well, a real tangent. It is. I don't. I, I squarely don't. I um, think, it, and I'm a, I'm a laissez-faire kind of guy, but I think that's taking the piss. Um, 
I think there's some interesting conflicts of interest with other chip developers. For totally, that. yeah. Um, so there's definitely some competition issues. There's also some sort of UK sovereignty issues if you want to go down that path as well. Yeah, but they were kind of thrown out the window with SoftBank. Well, they? exactly, yeah. So um, it, the difference for me is SoftBank's not not a chip company. Mm. Nvidia is. It's really as simple as that for me. So the I'm competition. Be the first you, person to. You're going to go off and uh, to, to do have a little thing. visit. Um, one thing I was going to uh, flag up, back to your point, Dean, about um, the sort of staggered mm. rollout of 5G. One of our most read stories this week was, uh, the headline was, Ericsson raises its low latency game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, it was a, a press release they sent out about some new software suite they've got, which, can only, which, which you've got to buy, and it's only available to people who've got their RAN um, thing, their RAN portfolio. But basically what it does is it sort of, it makes, it seems to make the low latency promise a bit more real. Mm. And that completely feeds into your point about the staggered rollout because, you know, we talked about the triangle yeah. earlier and low latency part of it. We've been promising low latency. And I was like, well, then why do you need a special bit of software with all these promises we made about it? Well, I haven't seen the full details of that, that particular Ericsson announcement, but you know, it may well be that they have managed to prioritise that bit of release 16 ahead of time. I don't know. But, well, I'll tell you, actually, yeah. just to butt in, because I, I can sort of inform it a little bit, I, I, did, a, I did a sort of little Q&A with um, an Ericsson exec called Marie Hogan, who's um, head of mobile broadband mm-hmm. voice and new business at Ericsson. She's got a fairly broad portfolio, hasn't she? Yeah. Um, and and I just sort of went, you know, wh- why do we need it? I thought we already had it. Uh, and she goes, this is quoting her. Um, where is it? Oh, yeah. Current mobile networks, including with 5G, are built for mobile broadband type of services, optimizing for data rates or high throughputs without any guarantees regarding latency. And then she went on to say, in contrast, time-critical communication is designed, and I think she's got that in capital, so yeah. maybe that's the name of their their software is designed to secure data delivery within specific latency bounds blah 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 and going uh, and, and just sort of bigging it up so the long and short of it is she's saying that 5g as it is now is a bit shit for low latency to paraphrase her but we've but we've made it not shit um possibly yeah um oh, actually as you said that and i'm I say, this is without me having spoken to ericsson about it so i don't know I think there's a different reason for that story okay. and for that and for that launch, which is one of the things everyone's been banging on about about Open RAN has been it turns the radio network into making it more programmable and allowing you know software upgrades for this and that. And so, costly, this is Ericsson coming back and saying, "See, we can do software upgrades ourselves right. on our own." Integrated network. Whereas and if you go open run, you don't get any. Of it's, like, it's like what's up? Well, they're promising it for the future. We're doing it now. Yeah. So so maybe maybe this is Ericsson saying, you know what, we've got our own, you know, programmable software upgrade program. I don't Could know. I'm completely, completely. No, but but it's, but it's a good point, and and you know, it's a central theme within <clears throat> the whole of the telecoms, certainly the vendor side of things. Is this open run versus? <clears throat> You know, and the and the and the sort of vendor lock-in thing, which you know, lots of people have done a good job of demonising, but we always end up making this comparison, which might be spurious with mm. Apple, 
Well, is it, are you an iPhone user or yeah. an Android? Yeah, I'm, I'm an iPhone. So you're an iPhone user, and, and you will appreciate, especially being as technologically savvy as you are, that there are certain trade-offs. Yes, you're bought yeah. into the iTunes ecosystem, but you've got something that's harmonised, hardware, yeah. software, services. I don't think it's spurious. Uh, that's, that's not an example the operators would give themselves. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Well, maybe uh, I'm selling myself yeah. short there. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, fair enough, I, I like, I like products rather than ecosystems. Yeah. So I've got an iPhone... But I have a Microsoft Surface laptop. I use Google for certain things. Mm. I use Twitter for certain other things. Yeah. And so basically, I don't want to be some sort of yeah. digital live in a cave. Well, I'm with you. I'm sort of the other way around. I've got an Android phone, but I use iPads at home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so and I use I'll, a, a I'll, Windows I'll, PC. But yeah, but the point is that, that Apple is able to integrate the whole thing and optimize. There are advantages. Uh, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. And that's the Ericsson Nokia old kit vendor uh, and, model. And yeah. it's not to be sniffed at. And I, and I, I think, again, yeah, Open RAN has got some interesting potential. Uh, I was I was actually moderating a panel. I know. I was going to ask you about that because I, yeah. I I wasn't there that stage in the afternoon and and, <laughs> and, 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 and the pub way. I wasn't down the pub. I was trying to get something written up, but I did want to go to your to your session that, in a way. That, that session I didn't, was, was so. different to all the other right. open round ones that I've run because it actually it was had I had an academic from Queen Mary's. Right. I had someone from Bell Canada, and I had um, someone from um, an OSS BSS vendor, Comarch. Yeah. And rather than the normally when you talk about open round, it's all about oh yeah, this is about you know diversification of the supply, yeah. more vendors, and all this sort of thing. This was much more about can we align open RAN with network slicing? Which, mm, which, right. That's uh, a question, isn't it? Uh, and, well, and the answer seemed to be from the panel of maybe, but not for five years. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it was, was roughly... So I, don't I, take I the plan. Forget about network and slicing. <laughs> and as we've said on the pod before, and other people have said, I'm, I'm uh, interested to see what you think about it, Dean, but it seems, seems to be generally accepted that open RAN as a viable technology is a 6G thing. Um, I, I think so. I, I, think, I think there's a couple of exceptions. If you're a greenfield network... Yeah, you know, like Dish or Rakuten, you know, and, and the phrase I heard was they're brave, but it's good on them. Go yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it probably works for existing operators in let's call them secondary deployment scenarios. So if you've got no coverage in the middle of Wales or something, you think, well, I've got to do this for my for my license commitments to keep the government happy. So if I can try out this new stuff and do it on the cheap and without. You know, choosing and and I can experiment with some new vendors, on you know, uh, without sort of perhaps the publicity down downside if if the network goes down at Oxford Circus. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a Londoner, so I'm I can mm. be London centric unapologetically. That's um, fine. Uh, and We're in London. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that the operators will use it for maybe for some infill capacity for remote areas for rural. Oh, we've got an island that we haven't got a network on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, but I think that's like an extended beta test, and you know, yeah, if, assuming everything goes well, prime time for six G. And the other side to it is that that's also when this programmability. There's a a bit of open round called the RIC, it's two 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 RICs in, in the full architecture, which essentially allows you to plug in third party software to the radio network, which could be for low latency. It could be there's a module for I don't know radio connectivity for drones or whatever. Yeah, optimization for power consumption. That, the programmability aspect, I think is a good idea. Now, whether that software is from, you know, Drone Radio Inc. or whether it's like Ericsson's own brand, you know, Drone Control, frankly, I haven't got a view on. Yeah, we'll see how that that turns out. But I think that 
that type of modularity is, is is not a bad thing at all. But it's going to take a while because, you know, there's lots of dependencies. Everyone's going to want to test the hell out of it for a long time. Yeah, particularly if it then touches on other areas of mm. regulated industries like air traffic control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and if, if you're talking about them trying to monetize quality mm. of control, why, why introduce an element that's going to diminish... Well, quality of control so it's yeah. a big it's a high uh, risk, it's a high, move, high risk. Isn't it? i mean i think to the t- in the uk probably the most open ran skeptic of the operators is bt or ee yeah. uh, and that's probably not unconnected with the fact that they're doing the emergency services network well i think they've even mentioned that yeah. haven't they as yeah. one of the, as one yeah, of the it's, drawbacks it's, yeah and i know the us department of defense is 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 mad keen on some of this, yeah. but, but that's yeah. just because they well, got the arsenal. I mean, another Chinese. thing they said was, and I've written a little bit about this recently, was lack of lack of sort of support for, for older technologies, two G yeah. and three G, yeah. and and, yeah. uh, and and I know some of the vendors, and you, you mentioned IP access earlier, yeah. which Mavenir bought, I think specifically to try yeah. and get two G um, and three G expertise. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I asked Nokia last week when I was writing the story. I wrote, mm. do you, "Does your open because they say we've got a full open RAN portfolio now? Does it support two G, three G? No." No. You know, uh, Ericsson doesn't market anything. Huawei doesn't market anything. Samsung doesn't have 3G support. If you're Samsung and you've got an R&D budget, do you really want to put a team of engineers on doing GSM? Uh, Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and Altiostar is another one that doesn't yeah. have have either 2G or 3G in its portfolio, which apparently is one of the reasons they're being swapped out of Telecom Italia's uh, very small uh, open RAN deployment. And some markets are trying to switch off to, accelerate switch off of 2G and 3G, which is great until you realise that half your smart meters are running on it and, and, yep. and all your IoT that you've put in sewer systems and yeah. all the rest of it yeah which is which is you can try and swap that stuff out but that's a big project yeah i mean i think 2g and and, and the operators seem to think this as well they'll just be around yeah. for, for a couple of decades potentially oh, because I, it's because there's it's so the much tied common, up it's with the lowest it. common denominator yeah um so i, I tend to agree on that yeah. but um yeah so i yeah I, I, again i i think open ran is is interesting i also think that it's not going to take off overnight i think that there's a lot of question marks about the yeah, it seems to work fine. Well, let's 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 see Dish run an entire network on it in Rakuten. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that it's going to take a while before people fully trust it. Then you get into the stuff that Danielle Royston was talking about: is do you run it on the private cloud or public cloud? Yeah, um, which is a completely different different discussion. Yeah. So yeah, it'll it'll come over time. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that the, I mean it would help more perhaps if things were R- Rakuten's become the sort of poster boy for it, hasn't it? In a way, and um, hmm. that deployment has lots of question marks over it I think at the moment because it's turned out to be a lot costlier than they anticipated I mean they wouldn't be selling bits of Rakuten to, to they, they didn't have that mm. in the original plan they've had to build a lot more base stations than they yeah. intended they've had to and they've not had the customer base uh, I think they've, they've got with what, this symphony thing so actually yeah. ironically yeah, and, and, and you know what I was saying about um, operators doing R&D to be honest Rakuten may end up being more of a um, vendor device vendor or device <laughs> yeah. ref- which to yeah. be fair Rakuten Inc is yeah. a cloud company yeah yeah so actually yeah. Rakuten has always been sort of you know Japanese mini Amazon exactly yeah roughly or, or, or eBay or, or, or whatever um, so yeah, to some extent they're coming from a different background anyway well, they're a company. Wouldn't you know, we're talking about operators getting mm. involved in chip development, for instance, yeah. and they they almost are. I mean, I've spoken yeah. to Tarek Amin, who's the CTO on the mobile side, and he's talked quite a lot about his interest in the components side side but of the, stuff. So, but the difference is that Rakuten is a cloud company that got into telecoms, yeah, rather than a telecoms company getting into cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could possibly say the same with SoftBank actually as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to butt in because we're probably been going about an hour in it. Um, so. <laughs> We've got to talk about we some other stuff. We did have a 30-minute preamble. 
Yeah, no, it's totally my fault. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pinning. I'm not saying you <laughs> two we, fucked we, we, up. We were, we were talking about stuff to do with telecom. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, preamble, no. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. Don't don't take it the wrong way. <laughs> I'm not saying. It's just so good. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying I'm going to butt in because I don't know what you're talking about. The I'm nice thing saying, about being someone else's podcast or presentation is I don't have to be in charge of the yeah, time. Yeah. Someone else will do it. And. And I'm sure you appreciate how absurd it is to have me in charge of any kind of discipline, let alone time discipline <laughs> and podcast. But there we go. I'm, I'm the one who's landed it. So I'm going to move it on. Um, and uh, I still, do you know, I'm still trying to find that LinkedIn post where that bloke had a pop. It's There's something wrong with LinkedIn. I mean, it should be obvious to me. Just type Andy Jones in. Just let it go. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and click on him. And, and it'll yeah, come it's fine. He's, I, he's, I'm, I'm just more curious about exactly, why... He is quite he's a, he's prominent. A, yeah, he's a... He's a consultant he, I mean he took issue with something I wrote because I had a go at the, the UK government's no, open rants I'm, I'm and involvement all for people and, and, and I have a feeling he's involved in advising the UK government to some extent on its telecom strategy oh no wonder he's butthurt and, and, and I, t- I, I basically had a go at it so he wasn't very happy about and, it and, and now go, even more people know about him yeah, yeah. Um, but, he's, but he's quite well, well yeah, known he's yeah. pretty prominent no, I'm it? more curious other than the fact I'd like to sort of give it a like or something just to do his head in Nah. Um, I I'm just more curious as to how you found it, and I didn't. When I'm the one who I, I think I'm connected thing. with him on LinkedIn, uh, e- even okay. though he he sort of. Um, uh, to be honest, I, yeah, no. I, I don't mind people if if, if people no, are being opinionated. Well, oh, no, and, as long as they don't no, mind it, it back yeah. with interest, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't bother me. <laughs> no, either. totally, yeah. totally. I mean, that's the thing. Well, you get some people who can get a bit precious. They're like, well, I don't like this, and then you go tough shit, and they go, no, you need to accommodate me more. My feelings. Fuck off. Anyway. Um, so uh, there we go. That's my that's my fifty year old uh, take on on people's feelings. Um, what else are we going to talk about? So we talk about Facebook, but not that thing that got Andy Jones all aerated. Um, we're going to talk about the story that broke up yesterday evening, and I wrote up today. Uh, and my headline was: uh, Facebook addresses its tarnished image with Meta rebrand. Now. The, the top line is that Facebook um, has decided it's now called Meta. Yeah, except um, nobody will ever refer to it as Meta. Well, totally. when no one refers to Google alphabet. as Alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I made that exact point in uh, when I when I wrote it up. No one calls it. So uh, Piers just shared a meme that says, which has got um, Lawrence Fishburne in Morpheus. The Matrix, Morpheus, <laughs> going, what if I told you giving yourself a new name doesn't change the fact that you're a cancer to the world? <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Well, actually, do you know what? <laughs> it is a bit that, harsh, that kind yeah. of feeds into some of the interesting stuff that's been going on about Facebook, which, is, which refers back to that previous piece I wrote that's got so many people's noses out of joint. Facebook, yes, yes, maybe is a cancer to the world, but all Facebook really is is a platform on which people do people mm. stuff. I, I so, tend to agree. I, and to be honest, I, yeah, I think Facebook's done some pretty dodgy stuff. But if I had to pick some villains, it's more like you know, you know, what the people I really hate is the gazillion companies who put cookies on your computer. You know, yeah, the, the list, mm. all, all these yeah. nameless. That's ad a, tech, that's a ad favorite tech um, Twitter theme of yours. Is just people taking the piss digitally. Isn't it? I've seen uh, you. I've seen you bring that up a few times. Yeah. Digitally, no. Uh, yeah, well, well, like, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, like, I mean, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Stop I, do, it. I, do, I do have a thing about the word digital. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, like, I, I agree. I, I, I always like, rubbish. remind people that that, that digital technology <laughs> predates mains electricity. 
Yeah, it's like 1842 yeah. with Morse code. It's like well, yeah, and it's digital a terrible 19th, term. 19th century. And digital also means fingers, which, well, which yes. has all I, sorts of dual entendre potential. Well, I would say the only people who could, should be talking about digital strategy are proctologists. So. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> good, good one. Um, so uh, yeah, so I know I know that annoys you from from following you on Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, you know, one one point I made so. So they've rebranded Meta, mm-hmm. and I, th- I, my analysis was there's two main reasons. One, as I alluded to in the headline, is that the Facebook brand is is not great, and one of the one of the reasons is the recent Francis Horgan stuff. But also, Facebook I think has got a really aging user base. It's not bringing yep. on younger people. It's a bit, you know, people Instagram for kids. Yeah, well, and they've got this one of the leaks that originally came from Francis Horgan stuff that a Wall Street Journal wrote up was hmm. was that they're targeting kids for Instagram, and well, they might. Well, I mean, to be honest though, it's it's like their main business within the group. In future, you're right. You know, the blue Facebook, you know, social network is if not declining, then less prominent part yeah. because of of the association it's got with you know, misinformation and stuff like that but well, actually the, young the, people don't use it my kids just yeah, dream of it yeah oh, frankly yeah. In, instagram is cooler whatsapp is more useful for a lot of things um i, I don't use facebook messenger i use whatsapp all the time though right um, oculus and you bet you signals are they um no, I, I got fed up with signal i've got <laughs> signal and telegram on my phone but i i can't i think i stopped okay, I, so you, I, so I, whatsapp's I, your main im yeah, I, I, I'd say WhatsApp and, and I guess iMessage with people who've got iPhones. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, the, the main ones. Um, and then actually, actually, you and I message on Twitter DMs half the time. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it depends. Yeah, it's very context specific. No one but, ever used Facebook Messenger though, do they? I don't. I haven't got it. It's called no. my phone. I, 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 I actually do use Facebook I refuse Messenger. to install a second a second yeah. app on my phone. Well, I don't have it's it on like, my phone, but I, I use it yeah. on online with. Uh, yeah, the yeah. There's WhatsApp, work. which is them yeah. as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it did seem absurd for the two things to exist in parallel. But then again, informal bought like reading and the two exist in parallel, so it can work. See now, I wonder if companies like ByteDance, who owns TikTok. Well, like, who will they acquire next? Hmm. Like, are they going to get a second app? Like, yeah, you mean, is Facebook, Facebook going to acquire the by that yeah. business? That, no, no, that no. social uh, network business is mm. it's always more. It was out of if you look at all the tech companies, I think, and, and Go- yeah. Google makes all of its money pretty much still from search engines, doesn't it? From the search yeah. engine business, it, it, it seems to be a much harder thing for other companies to crack that than it has for a new social network to come along. And you yeah. look at b- back before Facebook was around, it wasn't original. There were things like Friends Reunited, weren't there? Which is oh, which is big at one stage, and then all of a sudden that. Facebook came and it Friendster. disappeared. And, 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 and MySpace, and MySpace, MySpace yeah. obviously, yeah. And MySpace was the other. Yeah. Yeah, that was and big, that was was like Friends Reunited. It was big until Rupert Murdoch bought. It and then went down the toilet. Yeah, but also no, face, Facebook came and they just basically ran away mm, with stuff. You just needs Verizon to buy it. It'll be right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or AT and T. That guy, the founder. What, what is his name? The MySpace founder. Can't remember. He, he made out with like nine hundred million. And he's just, laughing. Yeah. Now he's just he's a photographer. He, yeah, totally. the world. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bit like my old boss who made out selling to certain company's office I'm in at the moment. Right. right? Okay. <laughs> I should probably I should probably give him where I am now. Leave it yeah. up, right. um, I think Ian's old boss could tell you a similar story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so anyway, so yeah, yeah, I, I think that actually for Facebook, this actually makes a reasonable amount of sense. I I, I mean yeah. I think some of the hype around this metaverse thing is a bit overdone, but actually Can you tell me what it is actually because I'm not sure. Well so that was is. just gonna lead into yeah, that so if you don't mind second life so, re- so the first point first point of the rebrand is that Facebook itself is a bit shite. But the second point is to pivot 
to mm. use a corporate term, mm -hmm. towards the metaverse. So w what is the metaverse, I hear you ask, Pierre? The metaverse is sort of augmented reality and virtual reality primarily. Oh, it's Ready it, Player One. That sort of thing. It's basically it's a really more Gibson. immersive digital world. It, it, it's, yeah, it's basically, it goes all the way back to William Gibson. Yeah, and the Neuromancer, whole, uh, Neuromancer yeah. and the birth of Cyberpunk. I don't know this. What's this? It's, it's basically you don't read enough books. No, yeah. I don't. I'm very it's, bad it's at reading books. It's basically the internet. He writes them. The internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ian. <laughs> 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 it's the internet crossed with virtual reality, right. uh, and 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 that's where this term, yeah, whether it's metaverse and I can't remember if it was Gibson or um, uh, Stevenson or one of the other cyberpunk authors who, who originally came up with the term. But yeah, this has been the vision of connectivity since the 1980s or 1990s of yeah, the, the sort of visual depiction of some cyberspace. It's a bit like what the was Matrix. the Stevenson one? You've, Cryptonomicon uh, the, or something. Or, there was yeah. um, Diamond. Time was it Diamond Age? Yeah, yeah. Um, Diamond Age, I think. Yeah. yeah so the, the, there was mm. there was a whole whole slew of books and, and, and <laughs> authors. Hashtag nerds. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, but also like the Matrix and everything else. Right? <laughs> I like Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have yeah. to read that. <laughs> but Ready Player Ready Play One is a book yeah. as well. So, I like so, Matrix and I like Terminator. So, <laughs> so, so we're, and we're now roughly at the point where it, we're, we've had the internet and the web since the nineties. We're now roughly at the point where you can do half decent virtual reality or augmented reality yep. and the connectivity at the same time and it works and so I, yeah i yeah well it's getting there yeah yeah well that's uh, so requires I, a lot of qualification doesn't yeah, it yeah it, 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 it does but it, but this, so did the web in 1994 so i could i, I think so you're saying a, you're saying it's an equivalent sort of early stage of the yeah, yeah, yeah you, I, you don't not, want to be the old guy be like oh this will never work it's not me. it's not guaranteed and people have tried to do it since the 1990s but i remember i wrote a report on virtual reality in 1994 um, and I said it's probably going to be about 30 years before it comes real, and I reckon actually right. it might have been bang on. Um, <laughs> Whereas um, I, I can remember as a, as a devices specialised journalist saying that tablets will never take off. So uh, my, my well, I, said well. I, I, I said that as well. I said that as well, actually. I said it's just a big, just a big <laughs> fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. iPod. All 50-50s are pretty good at prediction. What's the point? Genius. Yep, I, big fan, isn't it? I think I did that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, me a couple. But, um, but, that, but that is also, yeah. you know, to to um, I don't know, uh, exculpate our style of journalism slash yeah. being an analyst. Yeah. yeah. You got a. You got to stick your neck out sometimes, well, I, and you're not I, going to get all of them right. And the things I get to call, I sometimes get to call myself a futurist as well. So, so if <laughs> I put my my futurist Whoa. hat on, I'm looking at yeah, ten years yeah, or twenty yeah. years. Actually, Remember when AT&T had that futurist with that mad haircut? They had this guy who called himself much. a futurist or something like that, oh. and his hair was, was yeah, all over the shop. I know who you mean. He just on, on the on the metaverse stuff yeah. though, because um, it's very much been associated with Facebook recently. And I don't hear any. And I think the commitment to it financially is huge. They're saying they're going to spend ten billion a year on this yeah, in R and D yeah. alone, on just on the oh, metaverse. Oh, yeah, but they bought Oculus. But to be honest, actually, the more interesting one is Microsoft. Right, uh, and okay. Microsoft hasn't been banging on about. And I don't think they've started talking about the metaverse per se. But they've got what is it, twenty billion dollar contract with the Department of Defense to do the is that metaverse word though? Is that something that Facebook's just come up with itself? Uh, they're, trying to, they're trying they're to trying associate to sort of, themselves with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been around oh, for a while. This it, it's been, it's been around since 
the 90s I know, or I know, To be honest with you, it probably shows how, how yeah, sort it, of uh, not, uh, not aware of certain things I am. But I, the first I'd heard of it was when Mike Dana wrote an article on it a few months ago. Yeah. And he was like, okay, it's, it's metaverse. Like, it's, it's, to be honest, it looks like someone's been... A bit been of a geeky word. Yeah, it looks like someone's been going through their, their old sci-fi books on their, on their bookshelf and gone, oh, yeah. that'll do. Yeah. Um, William Gibson yeah. probably mentioned it himself. Well, I can't remember Gibson or yeah. Stevenson. Yeah. It's been around for a while. Yeah. And the, yeah, people have probably put every, every combination of world and universe and all the other things. They've gone through the, they've gone through the thesaurus and there's everything to do with, with like world so again, and verse. everything to do with, talking about, with, with sort of digital or meta or whatever. Well, and talking about thesaurus, meta itself is really poorly defined. I looked it up on, on a dictionary and, you know, meta as in metamorphosis means change. In, in terms in of meta, it's used in, in, in etymology, meta but it can humans. also it can also mean. In fact, there was a um, isn't Superman a meta metaphor? Yeah, well, that, so I, I embedded some tweets in, in my analysis, and there was one from Jack Dorsey, who obviously feels a degree of sort of competitive friction with um, Facebook because he's the Twitter guy, and he went meta colon referring to itself or the conventions of its genre, self-referential. So that was obviously meant as a little bit of a dig, but there the point the point is that meta itself is ill-defined. And what is the metaverse? I mean, is it referring to change? Is it referring to self-referential? Is it referring to some other definition of meta? Because there are others. So you mean it's metaphor? There we go. All right, so, <laughs> metaphor. so I wonder what the etym etymology Gee, of metaphor you is. You can tell I'm doing an improv because, course, but yeah. <laughs> oh, are you? Yeah. yeah cool. Because yeah. um, meta comes up in an et etymological way, if that's a word, all the time. Mm. But we don't think about it. We don't think about what metamorphosis means, but, you know, it, mm. it comes from a Greek of something or other. I, I think that something like this, basically a visual representation of data and overlaying stuff visually, yeah. whether it's metaverse or we call it HoloLens or whatever, it doesn't really matter, mixed reality. Qualcomm likes extended reality. It's extended it? reality, mixed reality. Mi yeah. Mixed reality is a bit... XR, is it? Is that yeah, the, that's yeah. the Qualcomm thing. Augmented, God. mixed... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's not bad as a brand. Uh, and also, I think it's likely to be important. Um, and I, I, I did some, actually, I put another tweet out a week or so ago, which is, uh, my, my guess is, if you look back in 10 years' time, that metaverse-type technologies will be more important than 5G or cryptocurrency and less important than AI or gene editing. Why do you think that? I mean, that's, a, that's a big old claim, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm sticking your neck out I'm here. pretty much sticking my neck out there. And I, it, was partly to, it, it was partly to wind up all the 5G and cryptocurrency people. That's <laughs> going to reply. I was saying, if there's one group that's easier to troll than 5G, the telecoms people, it's crypto. crypto, crypto yeah, yeah. Isn't crypto just going to be a part of the metaverse? It's, it's, it might be. Yeah. Uh, and some of the comments, oh, is the, the metaverse will depend on crypto. I'm like, well, it might be a bit of it, but yeah. I'm fairly sure you can create it. I'm pretty sure the US Department of Defense version isn't going to be crypto-powered. Crypto your, um, your outfits in the metaverse will be NFTs. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, it all gets a bit crazy. I mean, I understand politically why people get excited about crypto, because... It supposedly allows for a, you to live your commercial life without the man intruding mm. in it. But I wonder how much that no. will be the case uh, well, in practice. So about three or four years ago, I had a bunch of clients who were sort of, this is the first rash of like cryptocurrencies and also blockchain. And so I did a bunch of work on what are the telecoms applications of blockchain. And the answer was boring stuff. And a lot of this is overhyped. So it might be settlement for roaming and things like that. Um, and the thing is that there are some interesting things with, with blockchains. You're starting to see them coming out now, and they're mostly things like roaming settlement and, yeah. and asset asset tracking, asset management. Uh, and, and everyone's like, oh, no, no, this is distributed trust and blah, blah, blah. So I have to say, for a technology which is all about trust, 
it attracts some of the least trustworthy yes, people. The most shifty <laughs> some of whom fucking <laughs> owe me money for the, three or four years. And right. I've disappeared. I mean, the Bitcoin people. I, I follow some. There's some like Bitcoin. I can't remember the names of them, but there's some people who are like on Twitter intimately associated with Bitcoin, and they always look like snake oil salesmen. Yeah. The way they conduct it's going themselves. To a I, I literally, I, I literally, I did a project for a company about, and it's something that it was like to do with sort of, oh, we can we do some multi-sim MVNO thing? Um, and I have no problems with, frankly, I'm out of NDA and they haven't bloody paid me, so screw them. Um, and I, I remember doing a presentation and it had about a million dollars worth of art in the room that I did the presentation in and then the bastard didn't pay me. And that, God to damn. me, absolutely summed up everything I needed to know about the sort That's of blockchain cryptocurrency you know, people. And that... That actually, a complete tangent, that just winds me up. When you're, when you're a self-employed service provider, as you are, mm. for, for people to stiff you on what presumably wasn't a, was a, a life-altering huge... amount of money, no. it's just a fucking piss take. It really winds me up. It's just like, why be like that? I mean, that's just, that's just vindictive. It doesn't make any difference to your bottom line. It doesn't actually matter. It's just someone being a dick because they can. God, mm. that annoys me, as you might might be able I to tell. I tell from the, from the stress uh, in so your voice. Feel your pain. Brief. Feel your pain. Um, uh, so anyway, okay, so that was the, the metaverse thing. Is there anything else I've got to add about it? No, there were some fun tweets. I, I, I might read out some of them because they made me laugh. Some guy, some American with a, with a Star Spangled banner next to his Twitter handle um, who's got about half a million followers goes... Meta accomplishes only one thing. It allows Mark Zuckerberg to say he's not the CEO of Facebook. And then new paragraph, he goes, he will now do less controversial things like build a new virtual universe where he can be king while running Facebook, which I thought, you know, it, it just pointed to the skepticism. I'm seeing another guy goes, there's not a single person, in, I think he's quoting from an article, there's not a single person in existence who has scanned Facebook newsfeed and said, yes, Immerse me in this reality. I want to feel my uncle's meme about hot pockets on my face. And then the one that made me laugh out loud the most was someone going, the metaverse enables rioters to take a shit in the capital from the comfort of their home. So, 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 <laughs> Obviously referring to the 6th of January thing. So it's interesting. So I, I use Facebook, but I've got a sufficient number of you know, smart but wrong lefties on it and, and I'm absolutely <laughs> smart but wrong and I'm and defines most lefties and, and I'm, eh, I'm not so smart or something uh, but anyway so yeah fair I, point I, I'll align with you on, Just on sort of general political leanings but I make sure that I don't live in a bubble and yeah I'll have and rightly so. the rest of it and yeah and Frank and frankly, bubble in a bubble oh, oh yeah oh, oh, there we go oh I've never heard that one before yeah shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we'll start oh, making air rage <laughs> Well done, that man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he doesn't so need to do an improv course. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so I, I think yeah, I understand the criticism of Facebook, but I, I equally at the same time, it is what it is. Um, you can work around it now. There's obviously there's a bunch of people who go deep down the rabbit hole, and I've known people who've gone down down from the tech industry who've gone down all sorts of weird rabbit holes over the last few years. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, on all sorts of extremist ideas and conspiracies and all the rest of it. And Facebook probably doesn't help, but there's plenty, to be honest, there's no shortage of rabbit holes if you want to go down one. Totally. And, and whatever yeah. the opposite of um, you know, moles popping up and whack-a-mole is, there's rabbit holes going down everywhere. And well, just filling in one hole here and, and doesn't the internet, mean you're not going to have a rabbit And the internet presents so many more rabbit holes uh, than, than, but, than you had prior even, to that. Even some of the, I mean, coming off the metaverse stuff, some of the Francis Hogan whistleblowing just seems very kind of 
so what to me it's like yeah. well we're, we're they're trying to get young people to come online and, and spend money and it's like well don't you, you think you nike does the same thing or mcdonald's yeah. or you know it's well that, that piece i wrote that got all these people worked up i just sort of went her allegation is that facebook uniquely among companies puts profit before all, all other considerations yeah. it's like oh well done yeah is that your big revelation and hence comments by that idiot going that companies have some kind of compulsion to do the right thing. Since when? Yeah. Fucking, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> I run a company, and the right thing is making money for myself. Well, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and occasionally entertaining people at events like this. Yeah. yeah. But even that, you know, you'll, you'll have some sense of what's best practice for, yeah, sure. for your own way of doing things. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I've got my own code of ethics, and I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, confrontational, but at the same time, you know, not unnecessarily harmful. Yeah, there's and, no point in being a complete bull in the china shop all the time, yeah. or, or your or your shtick will get hackneyed. People have to yeah. think that there's some value that you add. I have to say, actually, the, 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 the serious point is that one of the most sensible things I was ever told when I was a sort of young analyst at a company called Data Monitor, which oh, yeah. subsequently got bought <laughs> by Informa, um, was... Informa likes buying things. Pick well, your buying fight. Open pick first, your, was it? Um, well, no, actually, uh, no. No, because I think... I think I, can't, I think Data Monitor looked at buying Ovum. I oh, okay, the other way around. I, I can't remember which, which way around it works, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm anyway. wrong. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> tangent. The, the, the point being is, I was, I was told, given I was a contrary young analyst, is pick your fights yes. well. Yeah. yeah, choose your fights. Don't fight every trivial thing. And totally. I think that, that I one of the things that people pick on, on a lot of time on, on Facebook is they'll, they'll, they don't pick the right fights. And there are fights to have with Facebook and the wider online social media advertising complex. But frankly, picking a fight over name change. Yeah. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, be a little bit snarky yeah. if that's your <laughs> online brand, but it's not the biggest yeah. thing ever. No. And, and I think, you know, just to, to wrap this one up, I think... A lot of the evil that is being placed at the door of Facebook is actually just the fact that it, together with Twitter, YouTube, a few other platforms, has created the environment for people to interact at a level and a scale they never have before. And there was a quote... Can I make a prediction? Yeah, go for it. My, my prediction is that people still carry on calling it Facebook. Oh, yes. Not Meta. I think you'll get short odds on that, Yeah, mate. you said yeah. Google and Alphabet. Well, I don't even know. That. Are they going to rebrand the actual... No, apparently no. they're just leaving Facebook, well, the well, social network. So it's an Alphabet anyway. sort of move in that it's way. It's like Alphabet. It's but there's a guy, have you ever heard of a guy called Ben Thompson who's got a website called Stratacary? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's a good, he's, good, he's good guy. And, and yeah. he just made the point, he compared it much more to Microsoft and Apple's move. Microsoft's pivot to the cloud, Apple's mm -hmm. pivot to mobile devices rather than yep. Macs. Um, and, and it probably does signify that. So it's symbolic of that. To be honest, actually, it's actually rebranding Oculus. And making Oculus much more prominent. Yeah, yeah. Within it, it, the whole. Ocul Oculus is a bit of a clunky brand. Yeah. If you rebranded Oculus as Meta, yeah. then it's, all it's a bit more funky, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's more like integrated yeah. than just the device. Yeah. 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 So, so, so to finish off my point about, about all they're really doing is putting people in front of each <laughs> other, and it turns out we generally get on each other's tits. Um, <laughs> Zuckerberg goes, we're talking about the metaverse. He goes, we believe the metaverse is, will be the successor to the mobile internet. We'll be able to feel present, feel like we're right there with people, no matter how far apart we actually are. And then my sentence I wrote after that, I said, given what Facebook, given what Facebook has been instrumental in revealing about people, in inverted commas, in the digital environment, it's questionable how, about how desirable that aim is. And that's my pushback mm. on the metaverse. I'm not sure I want more interaction, digital interaction with uh, other people. I would agree, but I think there's there's another game and I, uh, that's being played out here, which is 
the big technology companies trying to take lumps out of each other. Yeah, and actually, like Dorsey's snarky tweet. Well, but it, yeah, but actually, if you're Facebook, the thing which actually is holding you back is the dominance of the mobile phone. So mm-hmm. if you could actually get circumvent, more, circumvent and all the stuff they recently did with, and um, Apple, with what is it, the Ray-Ban, who the company that owns Ray-Ban, Luxottica, yeah. I think yeah. it is. Um, yeah, so if, if Facebook can start trying to move the needle away from the phone to other visual-oriented devices, before, ideally before Apple gets its own AR That's headset the They would the door, love to do that. Then Facebook would love to do it because Facebook doesn't make phones, whereas Google and Apple have that dominance. And they hate a- Apple. Amazon, Amazon sort of, doesn't care because they're, they're going to be like we're going to be the back end for all of this whatever happens yeah, yeah. yeah and we'll oh, they, they have a go device every now and then and yeah, they, they always arse it up yeah and they, well, they'll do smart home and they'll do music mm. and a few other things um, and I think I think you're right I, I think that Amazon's like yeah we're probably not going to go for the, apart, the devices which aren't smart speakers and, and and things like that we'll probably stay away from but if you're Facebook you would love to, to have the next 20 years about non-phone Totally. Devices. Especially as they've got a head start thanks to Oculus and all that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last thing. We'll keep it relatively short and sweet as we've banged on for about an hour and a half already, haven't we? Um, I blame you, Dean. Um, is you get it for free, though. Yeah, normally people have to pay for this. That's a good point. <laughs> but I, I hope, although I can't guarantee, <laughs> that it might help your brand as well. Let's see. Uh, you can you can give us a sort of ROI summary <laughs> in six months' time. Um, that, yeah, results. So, having banged on about wacky stuff, we're going to get back down to earth and talk about results. It's quarterly season. I've got to admit, as a journalist, and as a journalist who's has been especially time-constrained this week, because I have to juggle lots of balls, and incidentally, we have um, offered a job to a new deputy editor, and he's accepted. So, hurrah. So, we might have another regular third on the pod, although I'm not going to throw him at the deep end too quickly. Mm. Um and I've been doing lots of other stuff like to do with the awards and that sort of thing. Um, I I tend to just I tend to look at quarterlies and unless there's something really weird happening, like someone's missed a- analyst expectations or or someone's made a, a, a really no, a one-off announcement, missing analyst ex- expectations. Well, by a lot. Yeah, by a lot. So, so, yeah. Let's say their share price is down by ten percent plus, <clears throat> or up by ten percent plus. Then, then I tend to not be that interested. But um, I you think you love them. What are you on about? You you, do, you don't like doing the service provider ones because they're always dull. But you love doing the vendor ones. Oh no! Because well, they always have a. It a, depends what you mean by love. I always do them because I always get traffic from them. So mm. there's 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 the pragmatism of my job versus what I fancy this doing. Way you, what I fancy doing is writing about internet culture stuff and winding up I my trolls. But this, but this week you decided not to do any of the vendor stuff at all. No, exactly. What you, what's but, happened to you? Well, because I couldn't be asked. But um, <laughs> but also Wei, who used to work at Nokia back in the day, uh, put his hand up and bags Nokia. So yep. he covered them, but then you covered them too. Mm. Um, given that I can't really remember what Wei said, I'm going to hand it over to you. <laughs> what happened at Nokia? That, I mean... I thought it was interesting. It wasn't the most interesting earnings statement they've ever. Yeah, come I out rest with. my case then. But it was. It was a. Conti- it was. I mean, look, they, they've had huge problems in Nokia um, a, a year or so ago, being perceived as sort of fallen behind. I think on their five G strategy, they made a number of miscalculations. I think which we talked about in the pod lots of times before. Yep, with them to do with chips, the chips and, and all that. Um, and they were. Um, in, I don't know if crisis is probably too strong a word, but certainly things were bad enough that basically the CEO left, Rajiv Suri. They, they, their profits have kind of sort of, you know, um, disappeared. 
partly because of this 5G decision, I think, to use these more expensive chips that they had to kind of bring in yeah. after being let down by FPGA a key supplier. Yeah, ASICs. And, um, and just quite top-heavy, I think. You know, after the Alcatel-Lucent in- integration that happened in 2016, 17... That's always going to be a biggie, wasn't it? looked quite bloated. And, um, and so the new guy, Pekka and they had the, And the, let's not forget the... The rationale, or the stated rationale behind the Alcatel Lucent acquisition, was this sort of one-stop shop yeah. for for yeah. mobile and fixed, which, which, which hasn't turned which out changed. to be. Yeah, yeah. So, so the new guy called uh, guy called Pekka Lundmark, he used to work for them years ago, but then left telecom for a long time and is now now come back, took over in August last year. So it's just over a year, year and a bit that he's been there now. Um, and I, my takeaway was that the the the, the results they they published yesterday. You know, it's a kind of continuation of his his turnaround strategy. Really, I think the shares are um, up a little bit, weren't they? Single figure percentages. Well, they were up six percent at one point okay. in the morning, which is pretty good increase. Um, yeah. I mean, he's what he's done basically is so for a start, the whole end to end thing's gone. You know, this whole which is almost like the rationale for buying Alcatel Lucent is it's gone. Yeah, and and they want to they want to try and sell things on a more kind of standalone basis, basically. So yep. he's so he's done some restructuring to do with that. There's a big move to take staff out of the company. So I think they want to want to go down from about ninety thousand. God, I the mean they've been culling to, for years, haven't they? Well, they have they have got rid of a lot of jobs recently, but it's going to go even. I think right. they want to get down to about 80, 80 to eighty five thousand from about ninety thousand at the moment. Okay, but at the same time, I mean, research and development spending was allowed to fall under Suri. Yes, and he he justified. He, I mean, I, I even spoke to him about this in an interview I had with him, and he sort of defended that move and said we can realise synergies and we can we can realise oh, savings by spending more in Eastern Europe and places like this. Uh, it never looks good when you're cutting R and D spending no. and your and your competitors are increasing it. Uh, I, I think I think Nokia's done quite a good job on talking earlier about private wireless. Yes, uh, so, so yeah, the, the, yeah. That, that's definitely an area where totally. they're, they're they're going pretty strong on. Yeah. And ironically, also with with. Um, um, the last year and a half, fixed networks yep. have, if anything, become an awful lot more. Um, well, that was that was important. their big. So the big on, on the it? kind of. So the, I think their revenues are up two percent, and the the kind of standout bit of the company, which is much much smaller than mobile <coughs> access, was fixed <coughs> networks. I think they, they were up sort of. I can't remember what it was. But is it 20, much, 30%, much smaller? 30 percent. It's much much smaller. Forty three percent of their revenues come from mobile access, um, and it's. I can't even remember the figure now, but it's it's tiny. Com- so I got one slide because when I was um, editing Waze thing, I whacked in a slide myself. Yeah. Um, and the slide, this is from their their um, presentation. It said mobile networks driving cost competitiveness and and network infrastructure still going s- strongly. Net sales for mobile networks Q three twenty one was. 2,315 whatever units they're talking about. Maybe that's millions of euros or something. And network infrastructure was 1,915. So it's not that much lower. No, no. no that network infrastructure isn't fixed access. Oh, sorry. Okay, um, correct me. Yeah, so, so the whole the revenues for the quarter were 5.4 billion, right? That's up, that's up 2% year on year. What they make from, um, uh, from mobile, net mobile access is about 43% of that. Okay. And what they make from fixed, um, so if I hadn't been on holiday, I just remember this off the top of my head, but it was 588 million euros. Okay. So it's, it's small, but, it, but that was up 30%. I mean, that was the kind of, and, and, and the, the story, I mean, there's three things that have really worked in Nokia's favour on the fixed. One is the pandemic, mm-hmm. which means everybody goes back to their homes and starts working on broad residential broadband networks. 
Um, one is the backlash against Chinese suppliers, which has been talked about a lot in 5G, but mm-hmm. is actually becoming an, we'll an issue in, in, well. in fixed mm. as well. Um, and and the other one is they've, they've just got a good reputation, and they're you know they're kind of the the only real alternative that you've got on scale to to Ericsson to, yeah. to, to uh, no to Huawei and ZTE. And the other thing so, is that there's going to be oh at fixed in, yeah. in right, future sorry. there's going to be post pandemic infrastructure funds as well. I would have thought we're going to play into that over the next couple of years. The sort of Marshall plans. Well, there's all like the US funding, the EU yep. funding. Yep, completely. Yeah, and and I, although I, I obviously the mobile industry is going to try and get a slice of that, I, I, yep. no pun intended. Uh, I'm fairly sure that a lot's going to go to fixed fixed infrastructure as well. Not, if not yeah, for, for backhaul yep. and front haul for for mobile networks as well yep. as anything else. I think that their um, the the reason for the um, share price increase was that they've they've done really well on, as I say, the kind of taking cost out and and, and investing okay. in R and D. I mean, the R and D investments bring a gross margin improvement because you end up with a more competitive set of products and you can sort of price things better. But you you, you can sort of take cost out of the products by investing in R and D, basically. So. They've got a gross margin improvement, but the pro- I think net profit was up massively. It was like a 78% mm. increase on what they reported a year a uh, year earlier. I'm so. just looking at this in, and I've got 380 private wireless customers. Yeah, I mean, cause that, I know that was like 200 and something the last time I yeah. looked, so yeah. that's going up rapidly. Now, some of those might be small and medium-sized, but the yeah. thing is that they tend to grow. And I think that, that Nokia got on the private 5G and 4G train a lot faster than Ericsson. Ericsson had this thing where, oh, we'll only sell to service providers. Or to well, they've, they've pivoted from well, that now. Well, they, they, yeah. started, they, they, pivoted, they, they pivoted. It's a very slow pivot. It's a slow pivot. It started, yeah. with, it started off with, we'll sell to mobile pivot. operators. Yeah. Then it's like, well, there's a couple of people like, you know, strategic like utilities and governments. Yeah. And then it's like, we'll sell to service providers. And yeah. I asked the definition of service providers, well, you know, it's like, you know, if this company, if, so Paris Airports has their own internal IT company. Yeah. Well, that's a service provider, isn't it? They, they said they do services for their yeah, it's, just a, it's just a, a semantical change. Uh, and so they, they sort of you know, progressively, and then they did dedicated networks, and they're, they're like, yep. all right, we'll have to sell the enterprise. Yeah. But Nokia got ahead of that by about 18 months. Totally. Yeah. That was one thing I was thinking when we were chatting much earlier in the pod about um, uh, SI system integrators. Hmm. And one, things, one of the things SIs do, such as Accenture or whatever, is they understand how big corporates work. Hmm. You know, we work within a big corporate. I don't understand how the fucking former works, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I'm kind of shielded from it because we're this little journalistic enclave within what is largely an analyst and events and, and other forms of business information company. But to understand how a large corporate works is really to understand how to get money out of them, yeah. understand the, the chains. I, I bet you've got a much better appreciation of this than I do, Dean. Um, but that's, that strikes me as another reason why... Um, the likes of Ericsson and whatever are still going to have to have SIs in the food chain because they're just plugged in to the to the people writing the checks and all I, I, that. And the thing is, there's, there's different sorts of, of integrators. You've got the big IT integrators, you know, Accenture, Capgemini, IBM, and, and, and so on. But you've also got integrators who are like solution integrators, for often for individual industries. So it could be you know Siemens for industrial automation or Bosch or people who make you know, mining solutions. Yep. Yep. And I think... And you either know or you don't. <clears throat> well, and also that it gets very fragmented very quickly. And I think there's some companies that actually like, well, probably Siemens and ABB and about half a dozen other industrial companies that do 10 verticals. But there's others that just do baggage management systems for airports or cranes for ports or whatever. And it doesn't matter whether it's Ericsson or whether it's 
AT&T and Orange are never going to be able to understand all no. of those. And so I think absolutely integrators are going to be hugely important. And what you might find is that the operators and also Ericsson and Nokia might pick a couple of verticals to go deep on. Yeah. You know, and it could be healthcare. I think Telstra has got a mining subsidiary. Um, stands to reason because they're quite big on that yeah, in Australia. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, in Australia and also places like Papua New Guinea outside outside their footprint. Yeah, and I think that that will make sense. But they can't do it for everything, and so they can't have have one for mining and for chemicals and for education yeah. and for hospitals and all the rest. Can't of it. be all things to all uh, people. And, and so I think that you'll find that a lot of these companies will pick two, three, four, maybe five if you're AT and T or China Mobile, and then use integrators and other channels for the rest of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm going to. The, go. the only thing I would yeah, say on. on Nokia, the only other thing I would say on a, on a more negative note, I, I think, okay. is that the mobile access business, which they, which is the bit they're trying to sort of reinvigorate with this pivot away from FPGAs, as you mentioned, and they had a big product refresh a few months ago, and they've come up with this. You know, everybody talks about weight of radio units, don't they, at the moment? Yeah, and and it was thing. quite well received by analysts uh, that I that I sort of. Um, I think respectful, like I think Gabriel it's Brown. Shaming myself, um, but they that business just doesn't seem to. Be, I mean, they've had a couple of setbacks, which is they lost this big sort of five G contract in North America with Verizon, I think, which Samsung picked up. Um, they lost quite a bit of market share in China last year when they kind of didn't get any of the Phase One work there, and I don't know. It just looks like that. It, there was. It was either flat or slightly down, the kind of mo- the mobile side. Yeah. yeah, and you, you, you compare it with what, what's happening with Eric. You still have this perception that despite this whole swap out of, of, of costly chips yeah. and attempt to refresh the product portfolio, I still think they're kind of perceived to be behind like Ericsson. Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think analysts will be, look, people who track this really closely will probably be looking to see signs of improvement mm. in, the, in subsequent quarters there. Otherwise, it's, there's going to be questions over it, really. I but. suppose the question is that the time lags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like between announcing something and yeah, actually totally, signing a deal, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah the, 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 none of this happens like, oh, it's like, oh, you got a new product, yeah. we'll, we'll buy it yesterday. Yeah, completely. Yeah, swap out, swap out is is a lot a lot slower than it is in, in I phones. Used, so. I, I used to be an equity analyst for a while, and I used to have to do all these quarterly announcements and, and half yearly ones and the rest of it. I'm so glad that I don't have to. I can leave it up to yeah. you. I can listen to, <laughs> listen to it on the podcast. There's more yeah. wedge in being an equity analyst, though, isn't there? Ah. Uh, so I figure if you if you're working for some big bank or something. Not if like you own your own company. Um, uh, yes, I think. Uh, yeah. So well, there was one I was doing. It was two thousand, two thousand and one. So right. yeah. Although when I started in two thousand, it was because it was right. Yeah, it must have been a weird time to be in equity. And then literally, I think the FT got I, I, somehow they got a, their gossip column in the FT had the effervescently named Dean Bubbly is joining, <laughs> I think it's Credit Lee and A at the time. Brilliant. On the, uh, this must be the froth at the top of the market. Oh. And the thing is, they yeah, it turns right. out you're not a first person. They, they, they don't write things like that anymore, the FT. They've gone quite boring <laughs> if they used to do that sort of stuff. But, oh. Yeah, well, I, presumably, Dean, you, you've, you've had to deal with effervescent oh, puns God. all your life. Oh. No, that was me taking from oh, the FT, yeah, by yeah, what yeah. he just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay, final thing. Because we overrunning, and I've got Call of Nature ringing pretty fucking loud and clear right now. Um, is Huawei? Uh, well, it's, got, it's more results stuff, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, that was the, that was the original theme before we went off on our, our customary tangents. Um, so they they send out because they're not a public company, and and because China's a bit more opaque in general. Well, they've actually become worse, I think, in the last. Yeah, year. yeah. So they sent out like a, uh, a three paragraph thing going, yeah, here's is the top line. And then, um, like readings, Robert Clark wrote it up, 
And his headline was Huawei sales plunge 38% in the third quarter. Oh, it was worse than I thought. I thought it was about 30, but that's... Yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't... It's mainly handsets, yeah. From, it's, from, it's still mainly a handset drop-off. I think off. from... I mean, it's just to what Dean said, the swap-out cycles in, in network equipment are much slower than they are in... Uh, in the handset business, so if you get sanctions that are affecting you, I mean the the chips thing's a big issue for them on the network side as well as as well as the handset side. But I think that the main pain so far has come on. They, yeah. they even said there was a call with um, what's his name, Eric Shu. With next, Eric Shu said, I think it was Eric Shu who said that their smartphone business last year was about fifty billion in mm-hmm. revenues, and he expects thirty to forty billion of that to disappear this year. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah well, and and it's not surprising. We know we know what the Americans have done to them. Yeah. Um, and um, so I guess I guess from our point of view, given that we're professionally more interested in the network side of things than the handset side of things, um, we're interested to, to get some sense. Not that not that Huawei offers very much yeah. sort of segmentation or transparency. <clears throat> get a sense of where that's going. Yeah. Because there's got to come a time where their handset business is just trace. Yeah, where it's basically well, they've, selling they've sold, within China. They've obviously sold. They sold Honor. Yeah, um, and and they're basically only selling within China in, in a meaningful way. So there's got to come a time where we can just go. I'm okay, not even that's sure they're selling within in China in a meaningful way anymore. You reckon? Because well, I think of the, the Android odd, thing. I, yeah, because I, because you apparently you can't get. I mean, all the Huawei handsets now are low end. They can't provide yeah, you can't 5G. Get full fat Android on it. Whereas you can. Whereas you can. You can't get 5G connectivity. Whatever. On them, you can't get five G connectivity because of the chip. You can't thing. get five G connectivity right, on course. Huawei handsets. It's all all, this, the all the stuff thing. that five G is on is is the honor is the honor stuff basically. Right, so they're getting extra screwed. Um, so yes, uh, w- all I'm saying is when we get to the point where they reach a baseline, i.e. their their smartphone business has dropped off as much as it's going to. Largely, yeah, which was then we get a that was the biggest with, part of Huawei as well. That well, was about that a was, third, wasn't it? It was more than fifty percent of revenue. Revenue before but not profits, everything yeah, started yeah, to yeah. go south. Yeah, I, I just trust me. One of the things this, this conversation has made me realise is, two years ago, I would have been travelling half the top, half my life, and I would have been. I said, oh well, last week I was in a mar- uh, yeah an electronics market in. Malaysia, and I saw this or I saw that, and I, yeah. I've got no real reference points now. Yeah, yeah, no. I know. It's no, I think you travel a lot, though, don't you? Oh, like, historically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, you, know, and I, I'm like, oh, well, China. Do you share my my sort of squeamishness about going to China now that things got a bit more? Tasty he doesn't write nasty things way. about China like you do. No, that's true. <laughs> that's an interesting. So you're not worried about going to China. That's an interesting question, and one which I'm going to dodge. You're going to dodge. <laughs> you're totally entitled. I always say to any guest, they're entitled to plead the fifth at any <clears> moment, and that's fine. Um, okay, have we got anything else, Dean? We haven't really asked you about Huawei. You can play the fifth in general if you want, but um, um, you know their, their numbers are going down the toilet. We know why. It's mainly because of American sanctions. <clears throat> Do you have any sort of last thoughts on on that particular thing? I, I would say, yeah, I, I think that Huawei has. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, actually, I'm surprised that the current U.S. administration hasn't sorted something out. Yeah, well, in terms of reconciliation, in, uh, yeah, or, 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 worked, back or, or worked, worked out some sort of, um, you know, last year they were talking about, oh, can we do a, like a, a split of non-China and a China, you know, subsidiary or something like that. Yeah, um, a bit like uh, to be honest, the way that TikTok seems to have managed it better. Yeah, it sort of got through. There was a bit of aggro about a year ago, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, and, and so I'm a bit surprised that hasn't happened. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, uh, 
And at the moment, if I look out and I, I think about 6G, is I do see this risk of like yeah bifurcation of totally. the world yeah. into two, maybe three even you know, areas. If, if India does its own thing, yeah. I don't think it will. But yeah, it's, it's you. Know, and I, and part of me is like that's terrible. On the other hand, I, I think actually, you know what? I think harmonisation is overrated. I think that we're going to find that that if you do that and you do end up with two different technologies, a bit like we had CDMA and, and GSMA Jesus, in the past, yeah. you're going to find a bunch of companies that have dual-mode boxes, dual-mode phones. Mm. There will be it, – it's ever the easier – The market will find a way. It's ever easier to make technology glue, especially yeah. with AI. Um, yeah. and, and so – I think that we're going to see the pendulum go back to, yeah, you know, actually fragmentation, whether it's to serve geopolitical or to serve customization requirements, is not so bad. Cool. Well, that's an interesting thought on which to end it. Because I've got to end it, if I'm yeah. honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me, me, me too, actually. <laughs> I'm to break out in a cold sweat here. Um, thanks, Dean. That was brilliant. Oh, cheers. Um, it was a really that. good chat, and you're welcome back anytime. Fantastic. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I'll wrap it up there. Thanks a lot for watching. Make sure you join us for the next one. Great. Oh, I'll race you to the box, mate. <laughs>